0: we
1: Welcome to the 39th episode of the Invincibly Supermassive Comic Book Podcast of Stuff. I am Tony Guerrero, editor-in-chief of Comicvine.com. And with me is returning Mr. Dennis Calero.
2: My my apologies in advance to all the people that are going to complain that I'm talking too much on a podcast about talking too much. (laughs) I apologize for that profusely with many words. But it's a podcast of stuff. The podcast where we just talk about, yeah, we, just everything, right?
1: I mean, it's a comic book podcast, but it's a comic book, book podcast of stuff. I like that. So, so that's why you know, I got the incredibly long name to, to cover all the bases. That sounds great to me. I like it. So, so how are you doing?
2: I'm good. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm actually, uh, not to start off with a, a plug, <laughs> But I, I'm closing out the first issue of Army of Darkness with uh, written by the uh, indomitable Steve Niles. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. It's very exciting. It's very funny. We're both huge fans of the property. Um, I'm, I'm I'm a huge fan of Ash, and uh, I'm excited to um, to bring bring it to this thing. And I think it's been brought in.
1: That's that's great to hear.
2: But that's, that's my position.
1: I mean, because you know me, like just like everyone else. I mean, I'm a huge fan as well, and I've I've tried reading the comics, and there's been some some good ones, and there's been some that you know you just get like out of out of Uh, love for the character, and it's just like yeah, "Yeah, this is all right, and but it's good to hear that, and and you know I'll admit that the last recent ones. Yeah. It, it it got to a point, and you know, I, I don't mean to knock Dynamite because you know we we got a great relationship with them, and you know the, the great guys over there, everyone sure, involved. So let's,
2: let's screw that relationship <laughs> up right now. Right
1: now, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it just it, it got to a point where there's like so many crossovers, and they can be fun, right? But you know, like like there was like Ash and Xena, which was kind of weird because of Bruce Campbell. You know, he he played right. what's his name on, on Xena. and then. Right. And then there, I think well, there's like Ash. Was there Ash and Red Sonia, or am I just crazy?
2: I don't, I don't know about that one. I Maybe not. The only one that I'm really familiar with is the. Um, I don't know if you recall this or you ever read it. the The original Army of Darkness adaptation was was illustrated by John Bolton.
1: Oh yeah, definitely.
2: And they couldn't. And they couldn't. First, so first of all, uh, here's this sort of you know, meant to be this sort of indie, funny, kind of quirky thing, it illustrated, like this guy, Bolton, just pulled out all the stops mm-hmm. and just made it this beautifully uh, illustrated jewel of a comic. Um, and they couldn't use a lot of the original language you know, because it was a PG comic and mm-hmm. they couldn't, you know, do it. Can we curse on this thing? I forget. Uh, I mean – if it comes out naturally, I understand. Yeah, it's so, like PG thirteen. So right, okay. There couldn't be a lot of the Jack and you know ass and Jack left town kind of jokes, yeah, um, which I love. Um, but they replaced it with a lot of really good original material, and so I, I kind of see what we're doing as a sequel to that because we're we're going right from. And now this is starting to sound like a like a like a plug, but I'm just letting you know.
1: No, uh, that's what we're here to talk about, or that's why you're here. To talk Okay, about that well. And-
2: it, it, it takes place right after the end of the third of Army of Darkness. So I, I, I consider it a sequel to that miniseries. Um,
1: and it's going to be good. I think people are going to like it. I hope they do. That's, that's great. Uh, yeah. So, so I'm, I'm looking at some the, there, there's a, a Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. That,
2: that, that was almost a movie.
1: Yeah, because that came out. That was that was from Wildstorm back in 2007, and I remember yeah. getting it. I don't remember how much I liked it. Was it good? I don't remember. I mean, it's 2000. I, I, wow, it's only 2000.
2: it have been fantastic if you don't remember it.
1: Well, I mean, it was 2007. I mean, it's like you know, six years That's ago. Like six years ago. How many how many comics have I read between now and then? And
2: uh, the answer is probably too many.
1: Yeah. Well, many. there's never too many, but. Yeah, and okay, then, so and then you know having okay, a kid. We'll, we'll and, go
2: with that, we'll go with that explanation.
1: You know, having a kid, lack of sleep, and how it, you know, just like how old? is you, your kid now? She's ten. Get out! Of, you have a ten-year-old. I have a ten-year-old. She just turned that ten this summer. She's going into fifth grade. Oh my god! Three years, and she'll be dating um,
2: or, or wanting to date anyway.
1: Oh, we'll see about that. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, they're
2: Spanish, right? So we'll probably wait till they're fifteen at least, right?
1: Or older. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see.
2: My daughter's not allowed to have sex until she's been married for 10 years at age 35. Okay. Then she can, then she can apply. Uh, the, when I want grandchildren, then she can have sex. Uh, until then, no.
1: <laughs> so I, I just actually met my, my daughter's, Um, She's got a new fifth grade teacher, uh, new to the school and everything. And she actually she seems really cool. And during this little – it was like kind of like a meet and greet type of thing where like the parents yeah. and, and the kids can come there. She made a, a reference to the Misfits, the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like – that's pretty cool. I mean, that I saw, so I was excited about that because
2: yeah. what would you, what What do you do when your kids, cause I'm looking forward to this when your kid's teacher is, uh, is hot. What do you do with, what do you do? I mean, nothing, obviously I don't need to do anything. <laughs> what do you I, do? I mean, hmm. like, what goes through your head? Like, yeah, no, no, uh, <laughs> this is going to be a long school year.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the unfortunate thing is I don't, I don't get around the school as much as, as I used to. Like when she was in kindergarten, I actually went in, you know, and like, like, like almost like once a week and just like sat with the kids and, you know, worked with them. And yeah. it, it, was, it, was, it was fun doing it. And, you know, I've done the occasional field trips. Like uh, we, we did one we like this big hike in Mere Woods, which is an amazing place. I mean, if anyone's ever in the area, I mean, you should definitely check out Muir Woods. Uh, what's,
2: what's Mere Woods? Is it just a, a forest?
1: It's like, a, it, it, I believe that's where they, the Endor took place in Return of the Jedi. Get yeah. out
2: of here. That's, that's awesome.
1: Like all those big, gigantic redwood oh, trees.
2: Kids. Hold on a second. Get, 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 keep this going. Let's not stop. Keep this going like 10 seconds. Hold
1: on. Wait, what's going on?
2: <laughs> I, my kid's up.
1: Hold on. Oh. I have a morning time. Okay, so you are listening to Dennis Calero, parent at word. large.
2: Papa has to work. Now, you can, you can sit here and you to read, go to your playroom and read some books.
1: Go to the what do you want to do? <laughs> it's a special guest star.
2: Yeah, she's like, she's, she's gravitating towards your, towards your face. <laughs> Papa's going to talk now, okay? We're just talking about you and your future hot teachers and what I'm going to do about that. <laughs> that's, that's Tony. Hello. Tony's talking to us, okay? Tony's saying hello. Can you say Hello. Yeah. Ah. Uh. She's wearing a Tinkerbell costume. She's a – I don't know if this happened to you. My daughter goes back and forth in terms of gender identification. Like some days she'll say, I'm a boy, and she'll like play with trucks or whatever. And, and by the way, we don't her – mo- her mother and I do not gender identify objects like trucks, you know, mm-hmm. as for boys and that's for girls or whatever. She, she and i don't know if she's getting cues from outs, the outside world which is certainly possible but i you know she seems to gravitate like i'm a boy today and i'm going to play with trucks and i'm a am a girl today and i'm going to you know be tinkerbell so it's
1: i mean my my daughter never really i don't i mean she didn't i don't know if she didn't specifically you know make that statement but you know i gave her like action figures and you know like, yeah, yeah. like a big super yeah, size you know Marvel and DC. They had like the the big you know big hands, big feet, cute like figures and and um we we still we watch cartoons on the weekends and right right and you know she, every once in a while you know she wants to watch like some of the the, the Disney TV you know like,
2: yeah like those, yeah those shows I should, which is like think eh. that now Jake and the Neverland Pirates and the then the uh, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse which but, uh you know fine entertainment
1: I I was excited because when we we're doing some uh like back-to-school shopping, she had to get, like, four book covers, um, you know, to cover oh. the books. And you got, like, those kind of, not necessarily cloth, but they're kind of, like, stretchy book covers. Right, know? right, right. And so she she picked two of them were, one, like, like, like animals, like like kittens and puppies or something like that. And then and she's like, I need two superhero ones. So she got the they only had Marvel, so she got an Avengers one and an Ultimate Spider-Man one.
2: Right. She so wants, She wants something from DC? What's her, what's her
1: favorite? Well, I think her favorite is – I mean, she, she's, she's all over but I, I think her favorite is Batman. I mean, it's always been uh, that.
2: See, my favorite is – my daughter's favorite is Superman. And she'll – we bought her a little Supergirl costume, but she says – she corrects people. She tells people she's Superman, uh, not Supergirl. She'll, cor- she'll correct you. But uh, anyway, we should probably get back to comics, right? Well, we are
1: talking about comics. I mean superheroes and, and that.
2: No, I'm, not really? to, I'm not trying to be overly controlling. Just yeah. want to give, give the people what they want.
1: Well, going back to Army Darkness, so there was, sure, there, was, there was also a Danger Girl and the Army of Darkness.
2: I've never read Danger Girl. I, I hear that's really good. I love – that's Scott Campbell, right? Yeah. yeah. I love that guy's art. I think for what – the kind of work that he does, that kind of frenetic, cartoony, sort of grounded kind of look, he's he's the best. Yeah. I just I just love the look of his art.
1: Yeah, and and I don't know if, if you got a chance to see the uh, – Sideshow collectibles. He's, he's doing a Spider Man, a Mary Jane, and a Gwen Stacy like little statue. Oh, that's as, awesome. As his designs.
2: I used to buy a, a lot of those, and then I realized.
0: I want this.
2: What do you want, honey? Daddy. Uh, you're pointing the glasses?
0: No, this one. This? No, this. <laughs>
2: um. Uh, I realized I three hundred bucks could do a lot of other things. Oh, sh- okay. Well, go play in your playroom, baby. Would you do that? Go play in the playroom. You know, a lot of noise, and Papa has to talk. Can you go play in the playroom. Take Owley. Don't forget Owley. Okay. Um, yeah, three hundred bucks can do a lot of other things, other than buy a statue.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's 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 tough. I mean, I mean, you you, you have to pay for the quality. And, you know, you could. Absolutely.
2: Oh, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not saying that they're not worth it because I, yeah. I had this Darth
1: Vader statue
2: that cost about that much and it's just uh, fantastic. But uh, at some point I was buying a lot of them and then mm-hmm. I was
1: like, nah, I think I have enough. Yeah. There was a Marvel Zombies versus Army of Darkness. See, that makes sense. Yeah.
2: I read the. Uh, before I began this project, I read the. Um, the synopses for all the series just to sort of get familiar with what's gone on before. And that one seems like it was really I think I actually bought one issue of that one. It seemed really they were nice covers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Su- yeah. It was yeah. Arthur, yeah. Arthur yeah, suit him. He yeah, he he's, he's great. Um stuff. Th- there was Dark Man versus Army of Darkness.
2: That makes sense. They're wonder, both uh they're both Raimi properties. Yeah, they're
1: they're both universal. I right.
2: Uh, no, they're both they're both uh um Sam Raimi. Yeah. Same director, same writer.
1: Yeah, and it was, it was funny. Which I don't know if you know. I, I wonder, like today, how many people know or remember Dark Man, and and second, how many people realized that the first Dark Man was Liam Neeson.
2: Yeah, I know Academy yeah. Award winner Liam Neeson, yeah. and uh, that that movie's fondly remembered by a lot of people. I think it, you know it really was kind of like the first. Modern superhero movie. Yeah, Before, there were modern superhero movies when superhero movies were kind of dead. Mm-hmm. Darkman was sort of that horror. It was horror, but it was definitely superhero as well. He had powers. He had a secret identity. Yeah, he had an origin. You know, it was that was a, it was a superhero movie.
1: There was an army of darkness. Ash saves Obama. Back when right, that's just when, getting silly. When Obama was and when everything that's just getting silly. And and then there's a the hack hack slash. Which that just? I
2: don't, I don't know what hack slash is. Can you explain to me what hack slash is? Because it's very popular. Apparently,
1: it is. Um, I've only read a, a bit, bits of it. Um, my understanding is is Casey Hack. So she she's she's the girl. Um, yeah. I I believe like her, her parents were like killed. You know, it was basically she she. Um, I could be be wrong, but you know she she had like a, a, a tough childhood. And, and then there's like all these kind of like, like creatures in that. And so basically she's, she's teaming up like hunting down, you know, evil. And, and, you know, she's hanging out with, with this, this dude. And she's, you know, she's usually she has her bat and beating the crap out of people.
2: But it's not Slash from Guns N' Roses.
1: No. no, That would be that. That would, that would be something else.
2: Do you know that Slash from Guns N' Roses is African-American?
1: I, I always thought he was, he was part. Yeah, I don't know if he – I wasn't sure like what, you know, full on or.
2: Oh, maybe I don't know. Maybe he's full on. Maybe he's got got a dual, you know, heritage. I don't like to say half, because people aren't. People aren't. That's just my own thing. People aren't half of anything. They're they're both
0: uh-huh. this
2: and that. Um, but I just thought that was really cool. I never. I didn't know that until somewhat recently, and I was like, that's pretty damn cool.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm sure I I butchered a des- description of Casey Hack people are like price screaming and
2: oh you're spreading the word I mean yeah. you know that's not exactly right you know you're still selling it hold on I'm going to try to get my daughter to stop playing with this this uh baby <laughs> she's just looking at me like, like I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing baby
0: like, what are what you going to do we about we
2: it for a little while it's making a lot of noise could, could we could we play for something else could we read some books maybe could you do that for a little while no alright we're stuck with it <laughs> She's in a Tinkerbell costume giving me a look like what?
1: Like, what are you going to do about it? Who are you?
2: Who are you?
0: She's, like,
1: Shh. <laughs> and and le- she's let me-
2: literally doing it while I'm making shushing. Yeah, checks. of course. And she's looking me dead in the eye.
1: This is just the beginning.
2: Oh, my goodness.
1: Like, like she's like, yeah, what are you going to do now? She's, she's pushing the boundaries.
2: Baby, can you give me a pop-off favor? Can you go read some books in your, in your room? No?
1: And everyone listening knows I'm gonna just ignore it, and maybe that will help. Because ever, everyone listening knows it's like yeah, Dennis, he, he they know who who's the boss in that house. Yeah, I'm screwed. <laughs> I'm totally screwed. Speaking okay. of who's the boss, <laughs> who's
0: well, oh uh, well,
1: Alyssa Milano was at San Diego, and like, I missed her by like like an hour and a half or something like that.
2: Do you know that? It's funny to bring that up. Alyssa Milano was my pen pal for like a year when I was like ten. <laughs> you mean
1: Alyssa Milano's like assistant was.
2: No, I'm telling you, I really do think that it was her. Like it uh-huh. was it was it was a kid. It was a kid I, I, I still had those things. And I looked at them like five years ago, thinking the same thing that you're thinking like it had to be an assistant or whatever. maybe it was like but her cousin. They were they were handwritten and it was clearly a kid who yeah, wrote them. They and probably the kid, I mean maybe it was a brother or a sister, whatever the it was. Neighbor but. down the street. I mean, maybe, but it was definitely a kid at least. I like to think that she answered her own. We went back and forth for like a year, and i I think I was the one that lost interest <laughs> after a while, hmm. which I could have been like, you know I could have been hitting that now, yeah, you know that's because that's the way that story would have ended
1: yeah, yeah, or you, you could have been you could have met, and it could have been <laughs> like like Billy from down the street
2: that's right, hey, oh go, oh, this is awkward.
1: Yeah.
2: So you uh, you wanted to meet her at San Diego?
1: Yeah, I mean, because she, she was um, working on, on a book at Arkea. So it's like, you know, I, I've i always been a fan. Is it a,
2: is it a Who's the Boss book? Because I, I will totally buy
1: that. It is not. I mean, they they should do a reunion show sometime. Do a out. reunion, Tom. He's called Angela. Or Mona. Because some people, some people said, you know, it's like Angela was the boss. And some people were like, no, Tony was. Or some people were like, no, it's definitely Mona.
2: Mona. Uh, That's like that. Do you see that community episode?
1: I don't watch that show. it really, really? Yeah,
2: you got to give that show a shot.
1: It's one of those things where it, it started, and then for whatever reason, I just didn't didn't start watching it, and then you know it, it just progressed, and it's like, well, you know, I, I'm already behind. I you know missed the boat.
2: There's Hulu Plus, so there's never a reason to feel like you can never catch up.
1: I, you're talking to a guy that had like 31 episodes of Smallville. On his DVR, when uh, you know the guy running a comic book site and should be staying up to date with with the show, right? And you know, I, I watched the, the finale when it aired, but then and I then
2: never, it, I never followed that show. But I, I, but I'm completely obsessed with the comic.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I really
2: actually, am.
0: Yeah,
1: I, I'm, I'm completely gaga over it. I read it all the time. I, I really. it, it's it's funny because I'll I'll. For, i'll like forget about it sometimes and then it's like it's like i got like like four or five issues and i just like you know devour yeah, them
2: yeah yeah it's good stuff man that's good stuff i also i also like uh the uh injustice gods among us comic yeah. Have you read that
1: i'm behind in that because i mean the, the weekly.
2: wonderful thing about the digital stuff you can, just, you can easily catch up yeah and it's so cheap i'm i'm very i'm very much for digital comics i read most of my comics digitally now
1: yeah um by the time this goes out, it, um, this podcast goes out. It, the the issue is already out, but uh, Kyle Higgins' Batman Beyond has has come out. Is so, that digital as well? Yes. Mm. So um, it's it's taken place a year after um, the, the 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 Adam Beecham stories. So why I'd
2: skip? Why skipped skipping a year? Just to give a little shake up.
1: Uh-huh. And and uh, you know you when you'll find out you're like like what what's going on and <laughs> and yeah so there's I, I
2: will likely express myself that way yeah. but um, here's a topic do you think I think I'll tell you what I think and then you can tell me what what in response to what you think or what I think um, as a as a creative professional doing comics done comics for 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 a while I think that we're being too precious about comics like uh, editors and people are 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 framing these comics as if they're films like you know when when a film when a film is being is in pre-production right a film is a very expensive complex undertaking with a lot of moving parts and so there's a reason why things are done very slowly and very methodically very meticulously but i find that that method of thinking that method of approach is being applied to comics now more and more, as if comics were movies. But comics aren't movies. I mean, what, for me, one of the real great pleasures of comics creatively is that if you screw up, you can do it again next month. Mm-hmm. Try again, and and that there's a lot of creative freedom. You don't you don't have to. You're doing a four issue miniseries or a twelve issue series or whatever, a twenty issue run. You don't have to get it. You know, like Frank Miller's run on Daredevil did not hit the ground running. Mm -mm. I mean, when Frank took over, when Frank started drawing, it was being written by somebody else. And then when Frank took it over, it definitely took a good half year to a year for that book to become the book that, that is considered the legendary run of Frank Miller's Daredevil. He, you know, and I think that when we approach comics in that movie mode, we're not letting things evolve, and, and we're we're taking away one of comics' greatest strength, which is that it's cheap, um, malleable, flexi- You know, uh, you know, flexible. It's a flexible art form that we can get to um, evolve over six months to a year, mm-hmm. and keep evolving. What, what what do you think about that, or maybe you don't
1: care? No, I mean, I mean, I I do agree about the the Frank Miller because I, I recently um. Sorry, rereading them because, you know, they, they have those the trade paperbacks.
2: And the, I have the Omnibuses, which are fantastic.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, so you read them at the beginning. It's, it's like, yeah, it's a little rough and, and some of them are hit or miss. And, you know, and, you, know you, you have to cons- you know, take into consideration that these were written, you know, in the early 80s. But, but they, they still hold up pretty well considering that.
2: That's interesting. What, what, what – what does that mean to you that they're written? When you say they're written, keep in mind they're written in the early 80s.
1: Well, I mean, there's there's definitely different feels. Like, you know, if you look at comics from, like, the 50s, obviously, you know, Silver Age. That feel, sure, that you know, that's, that's it. Sure, that's it. The 70s were uh, – see, how would you describe the 70s comics? I mean, it's, it seemed like there was a lot more kind of, like, street-level action, you know, where you really got – Yeah, it.
2: they were definitely responding to movies of the time yeah. were definitely more, you know, like um, – I, I, I bet I don't know for sure, having never spoken to a lot of people who created those books. But I would I would bet that a lot of them were thinking about things like The Godfather and The French Connection um, movie, and 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 also black exploitation films. And there's, like, there's
1: also all the like the Bruce Lee, you know, yeah, definitely. Like Iron Fist came out, and the you know Sons sure. of the Dragon, and all that.
2: Yeah, in terms of the draw, whenever I think of seventies comics, I just think of. Uh, I think of like Gil Kane, mm-hmm. I think of Ross Andrew, I think of Kurt Swan, even though all those guys were working before. Uh, I mean, my favorite comic from that period, and probably my favorite, favorite comic of all time was the, first, was the first year of Night Force uh-huh. by, Colin, by Gene Colan and Marv Wolfman. After yeah. they did Dracula, they went and did this sort of like, almost like Progenitor of the, of the X-Files,
0: mm-hmm.
2: with more of a supernatural, even yes. more of a supernatural bent. Yeah, that that comic. If anyone out there hasn't read it, find find them the original nineteen seventies run of Night Force. Just terrific stuff. And Gene apparently was taking a lot of crap at the time for his style.
0: Hmm.
2: He was doing this kind of more sort of naturalistic, what 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 someone might call photorealistic style, and um, that was definitely not. You know, it's it's interesting. You read these stories about your heroes, like um, apparently I've heard recently, which was this is a shock to me. That uh, because um, Bill, you know, Bill Sankiewicz right? Mm-hmm. So Bill Sankiewicz's run on the Shadow is is f- among among certain people, it's pretty legendary in terms of just being really just wonderful avant garde, interesting art. And uh, apparently that guy fought. Tooth and nail, every issue to do what he was doing. They were just fu- and, and remember, this is and remember, this was post New Mutants. Bill Sienkiewicz. This was Bill Sienkiewicz at a point in his career when he was pretty darn darn well respected. And yet, the editors uh, at the time were trying to get him to do sort of a standard, you know, comic. Mm-hmm. And uh, he really fought and bent a lot of you know put a lot of noses out of joint to do. What would seem to us now to be you know pretty obvious, like you, you, you I guess what I'm saying is you wonder why people working on that book at the time don't go, "Wow, look at these amazing pages, and we're we're taking part in this wonderful run on this book, and instead they're just like, "Bill, why can't you just do what we're telling you to do?" which is shocking
1: yeah, I mean well i I, I think it it always goes back to when you're you're looking at the creators and then the people above them you know and not not necessarily just editorial cuz you know whoever they have to answer to you know it's right. especially like today you know it's all about making the highest profit and you know a lot of it is we need to build movie franchises because yeah yeah you know you, you look i mean how many how many you know if if you take every single Avengers, even if you take every single Avengers and Captain America and Iron Man, you know, Thor, all those characters, all their comic series. I, I bet it doesn't even come close to the number of people that saw the Avengers.
2: No, no. You know, so, and, so, that's, that, and that's a puzzle. I mean, that's a couple. You know, you've opened up a couple of cans of matzo ball soup there because, number one, that's, that's a real issue that – is on, the, I can tell you, is on the minds of a lot of freelance creators why why does avengers sell a bazillion dollars worth of tickets and yet that there, there this there isn't the smallest uh, percentage of that movie audience that's translating into reading comics i mean it's 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 it, it, it's a puzzle
1: i i think what it is it, i mean so you you know you have marvel and you have marvel studios you know so kind of two separate entities even though no, they're
2: not kind of two separate entities they are yeah, two and, separate businesses
1: yeah and but you would you but even though they're they're separate they are still the same company you know overall oh, you, yeah. know, you know Disney whatever owns them all so you would think that some and it's not like you know someone at the very top is going to direct them say you have to do this or this but at the same time it's like okay you're going to have a, a a movie based on a comic series you could try to use that, that momentum to push the actual comics. And, you know, they, they do the little thing at the beginning, you know, Marvel Comics, you know, the animated thing. Yeah, yeah. But somehow they should tie into the facts like, hey, all you people seeing this movie, there are actual comic books that, that you know, this comes from. You should go check them out. You know, or we'll
2: not sell comics in the theaters.
1: They, they could do that. Because like, when, I, when I was in high school, I, I worked at a movie theater. And there was, I, I remember there, there was an Aliens, I forget which Aliens movie it was. There's was like some Aliens related movie. And they're at the local comic shop. I, I, I came up with this idea myself. I was like, hey, why don't we try to do this cross promotion? You know, I'll, you know, so I went to the comic store. I was like, you know, we'll, we'll put a movie poster. You know, I'll get you a movie poster. You can put it up and, you know, we'll have a little sign. It's like, like, hey, hey, go watch the movie over here. And then at the same, you know, at the movie theater, we'd say, hey, you can get some comics at, you know the comic store over there, and sure. it it you know it didn't make that big of a, a blip because it was me, basically just me doing it. But that's something I think that they could do when they released the Green Lantern movie. And you know we don't have to get into the quality of the movie and all that. But at the very end, they had a, a little static ad. You know, Green Lantern trade paperbacks are now available. You know, so at least there was that they made that attempt, even though it was at the very end. Right and right. and you know they they had the mid mid credit scene with Sinestro and you know maybe some people were saying well maybe there's something else at the very end so they they stuck around and saw that but I just think at the beginning they could do something or when these movies go to to Blu-ray and DVD sometimes they'll do it but it's like put some put an ad instead of having all these trailers at the beginning throw in a little you know ad or you know commercial or you know, even if it's just an image you know. You know, comic book locator, you know, find a comic shop near you and, you know, check this out. I, I, I really think they could do more to try to connect these two separate entities. And, you know, it's not just Marvel. It's the same thing with the DC movies and, and all that.
2: Well, sure. I mean, a lot can be done. Uh, I mean, my, my, I have a little bit of experience in, in the entertainment industry. So I, I know number one is I work with large entertainment conglomerates with, with many, you know, many – Uh, related companies and they really just do act like completely separate companies. And then there, there is no impetus to cross promote. Like, you know, if, if Warner brothers owns, you know, some minor indie, you know, film distribution label, they're, they're not looking to cross promote. Everyone is acting as if they're independent companies. Part of that is financial. You know, part of that is because there, there are just very strict rules on the way, companies are supposed to work when they're subsidiaries of each other. They have to act like they're separate companies, mm-hmm. or their ability to interact is some is is, is limited in very specific ways. Um, I don't I don't envy. But part of what I'm saying creatively is there's an there's an illusion I find on a part of a lot of creators where they think that you know I, I'm going to write Spider Man and I'm and I'm, I I I just pull the character out of the hat. I'm not saying I'm not talking about you know, any specific creator, but I'm going to write Spider-Man and I'm going to write some character. And it's, and when the time comes for there to be an X, you know, Spider-Man movie or whatever, I'm going to be the one tap to, to write it. And it, it just does not work that way. Mm -hmm. Every, every single person that I know who went from working in comics, I don't care how popular they were in comics. They did not get plucked out of comics. I mean, this, there may be one example or two examples, but for the most part, they did not get plucked out of comics and told by someone, I love your comics. Can you write this movie for us? They went out and they got representation and they, they handled that part of their career as a completely separate entity. They went and they got representation and they did samples. And certainly being in comics was part of their pedigree, as they say, part of their, you know, part of their CV, part of their resume. But it it did not translate on a one to one basis, and that's also true. I was talking to an artist who I knew at the time. This was years ago. Was doing a lot of like uh, um, concept art and storyboard art, and I was like, Did they, you know, did they find you in comics? Did someone read one of your Batman comics or whatever, and say? Can you do this for us? And he said, "Absolutely not." I, I I decided to go and do this. I had to go and make a separate portfolio, find separate representation, and handle this part of my career as a completely distinct entity. Um, and, and on some level, I don't envy Marvel's position as a publishing company because I think on some level they're treated like R and D. So because they don't they don't necessarily benefit financially if avengers makes a bazillion dollars my understanding which could be wrong is that marvel doesn't necessarily benefit from from avengers making a bazillion dollars they're sort of being treated like you know you're the you're the you're the curators of these properties and you're there to give us ideas like an r and d department in at apple or something but then they're also called to turn a profit so it's it's almost like you know, the R&D department at Apple is being told, well, how many iPads did you sell today? Well, you want to go, well, listen, it, it, it's got to be either or. Um, the R&D department at Apple is not required to sell iPads. They develop the technology that then the marketing department goes and sells. So it, it's, it's, it's kind of a very difficult position. And I think that those things are gonna be sh- are, are going to shake out in the next decade, which is – the pace that a company like Disney moves at, you know, is in terms of years and decades.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it is weird. And, and like, like you said, I mean, you, sometimes you'll, you'll see a, a creator's name in the, in the credits, like, in, you know, some of the Marvel movies. But sure, it, it, it is weird where, you know, and, and I, I, th- I think I, I heard that, like, Chris Claremont didn't get any acknowledgement whatsoever for the Wolverine.
2: I wouldn't be surprised that that you know a lot of that stuff has to be, um, it has to be worked out. We, we you know, uh, comics, um, comics is the only publishing entity in the uh, in publishing. That uh, I, I'm 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 I and my writing partner Todd are discussing with a, a UK company about a property that they want to turn into a gra- want to do a graphic novel with them, and they act like a traditional publishing house, which is that what they're paying for is a advance against royalties for first publication rights. They don't own the story, they don't own the characters. They're paying f- they're licensing the story from us. So that they can publish and, and, and this is the way that Simon & Schuster works. This is the way that HarperCollins works. This is the way that most publishing companies work. The work for hire, um, the work for hire approach is a dinosaur and I think eventually will go away. If for no other reason, then one of two things will happen. Either companies that continue with a work for hire model will get sued into the ground Um, because uh, there's such a thing as an economic coercion in in the law where, you know, you can say, well, we have a contract, but the guy can come back and say, well, you know, you kind of had me over a barrel, so of course I had to sign the contract in order to be able to work, and and some people don't like that idea, but it it is an idea that is existent in the law, Um, or what is also happening is that companies that persist in a work-for-hire arrangement will... Creators will just not give them their best work. You know, like I'll work on, on this man or this man, but I'm not going to give you my own creations. I'm going to save that for companies like Dark Horse or Top Cow or Arkea that will allow me to retain my rights. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have to turn around and recognize if we want the best out of these creators, we're going to have to cut them in on the profit margin. If we do well, then, and, and there's really no reason ethically or financially not to do that. It's just saying from a company point of view, if we do well, you'll do well. So give us your best work.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: There just, there really just isn't a reason not to do it. Yeah, That I've ever heard that I, that I felt that seemed like it made sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, it it, it is weird, but like, you know, like let's say they decide they're going to do a, a Spider-Man movie based on Miles Morales, you know. Right. So, so a, a Brian Michael Bendis, you know, creation. They're not right. going to say, "Hey, Brian, why don't you write the screenplay?" You know, they they maybe would get him to consult, you know, or maybe they would give him like you know producer credit, or you know, maybe entertain. Sure, I, it, sure. it almost seems like they, it'd be kind of like a like a, a a courtesy thing, maybe. Well,
2: Bendis. I mean, Bendis is a favorite son.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean that, that may not be the best yeah, there's, example. There's the, the
2: Jeff Johns and there's the Bendises and there's a couple of other people who, who are favorite sons. They work very hard. They provide a lot of value to the company and they're recognized. And, uh, and, I, and I do wish on some level that that trickled down to, to other people who are working just as hard. Um, but that doesn't mean that I – and I, and I genuinely mean this. It doesn't mean that I behoove anybody they're, they're getting what I think everybody should get. So mm-hmm. obviously I don't behoove them getting, getting what's theirs. Um, so they probably would have some favor. But you're right in the sense that no, they're not, they're not going to they're, – they're going to – they're looking at the material as if Marvel capital letters or DC capital letters is the actual author. Because from a legal point of view, when you sign that work for hire agreement, Marvel becomes the author – of that work mm-hmm. as a corporation. Um, and there's good and there's bad with that. And there's right and there's wrong with that. Um, I've, I've found myself gravitating towards doing stuff like the web comic and this thing that I'm going to be doing with Dark Horse if everything works out. That um, it, it, I, I always saw myself going the quote-unquote Frank Miller route. Which is that when I, you know, when I do Superman and when I do Batman, that's for DC and they're, they're the author of the work. And I kind of almost see that as A, fun, B, well-paying, which is nothing wrong with that, mm-hmm. and C, advertisement for my other privately owned stuff. And that's working for me and it's working for my writing partner. And, um, but, I, but I do see it changing – I do see it at some point 10 years down the line as becoming a different animal, I, I I think that DC and Marvel and and their ilk will will start to profit share more with their creators because at the end of the day, I, I just think it will result in getting their, the best work yeah out of out of those creators
1: yeah. I mean, it, it's just weird that you know you could have a comic writer that is deeply associated you know sure. with with a character and they're going to adapt it you know whether it's you know TV or movie. They're not gonna get that that comic book writer. They're gonna get a, a screenwriter. You know, someone who has experience writing screenplays for Hollywood, rather than the guy who may have written the character for you know fifteen twenty years. And it's it's just weird that whether you know, and I'm I'm not saying that. Yeah, you know, I I'd imagine there's there's a, a slight difference in writing a and I could be wrong. You know, writing a comic script versus writing you know a, a movie script could be different but I, I don't think it'd be that different no but Holly, hollywood and i don't know if it's all yeah, little like,
2: i i you know i think this is going to be very interesting for anyone that's interested in doing comics or telling stories i don't know how interesting it's going to be for readers it's interesting to me but hollywood is very much about categories and pedigree um, you've written comics, so that's what you write. You or you write screenplays so that's what you write. And and there's not a lot of. It's very, it's it's challenging. I'm not gonna say it's difficult, but it's challenging to cross over from one to another. And I think it. it and it's not. It's not. Never. It goes back to the old saying: Never ascribe to evil what can be explained by ignorance or incompetence. And I, and I think on some level. What it is is that whenever you try to, to corporatize art, and that's what that's what Hollywood and publishers and people try to do. They try to turn art into a business. And what what do you do when you're doing a business? You're trying to streamline the workflow. You're trying to make things into a a uh, um, a conveyor belt. What, what do they call it? What's the word I'm looking for? Like you know, an assembly line, mm-hmm. right? You're trying to to regulate the output. You're trying to regulate creative output. Now, any creative person knows that it it helps to have a workflow. It helps to have a technique. It helps to have a routine. But ultimately, it's still art. and It doesn't always come out the way that you want. And having a regular assembly line is not going to guarantee quality results. Um, But so – the message I'm trying to get across is when, when you hear that, that this guy who is a comic book writer is not going to be allowed, quote unquote, allowed to write a screenplay. you know, Like, look, Niles didn't write the screenplay for 30 days a night and that's it's, borderline, yeah. borderline ridiculous. Yeah. When, you, when you think about it, when you think about it in, an, in everyday terms, it's ridiculous. When you think about it, when you see it through the prism of uh, I just paid for this property, So I I'm going to get the best writer with, and and now how do I tell what the best writer is? I'm a producer. I don't necessarily know good writing from bad. If I read it, that's just the, that's just the the bottom line. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go by something else. What do I go by? Well, I'm going to go by pedigree. I'm going to go by resume. Have you, have you written screenplays before? Have you written a screenplay before with a vampire? Okay. You're probably the best person that I think I can get to write this. Cause there's a lot of money at stake. And so Movies cost a lot of money. It's a lot of money at stake. People's pensions are at stake at companies that produce films. And so, you know, look, if I had a million bucks to give for a production and you can get Tom Cruise to star in it or get a really, really good unknown actor who's just really, really great, I'm going to probably ask you to get Tom Cruise. And that's just the nature of the beast.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. And, and with, with, with some other um, publishers, you, know, you, you, you kind of you get the, the feeling that you know, they're, they're clearly putting comics out to sell it as, as a movie property.
2: Well, let me ask you this. That's, a interest, that's an interesting topic to me. What is necessarily – I mean like endemically, what's wrong with that?
1: I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with that cuz even to some extent, I mean, you, you could say the same thing about like Marvel. You know, they're Absolutely. And you know, so it's like, "Oh, we have a Guardians of the Galaxy movie coming up. We got to get those characters out, you know, in people's faces." Even though, you know, we we just had a discussion how comic readers and, you know, movie watchers aren't, you know, comic readers are such a small subset of of that overall group. Sure. But on on the off chance that, you know, they may pick up some, you know, word of mouth or whatever. So, it, the, not that there's anything wrong with it, but but sometimes it it, it not not that it, it's a little deceitful.
2: Okay, but it, it's so, just keep going with this. Uh,
1: like like uh, so like like legendary, you know, they right. Pacific Rim, they had a movie, they put out a, a prequel book, right? And you know, it it was written by the same guy that, that wrote right. the, the, the movie. So it, it was fine and everything, but when you you look at it, it it's they it's it, it wasn't even like clearly marketed towards com- for like for comic readers.
2: And Who is it marketed
1: to? You think it, it just because it, it, it it's almost like it, it it came it flew under the radar. Like I I myself didn't even realize it was out um, for, until like like a few weeks after the the book was released. So it's like so here I'm I'm like you know. Neck deep or whatever, up you know, in in the, in the comic world, I wasn't even aware that that this book was out yet. And then it, it wasn't until like right, you know, I, I got to go see a screening, and then I was, I was like, oh, I just got this this book. I should probably maybe check it out before I go see the movie. And,
2: is it on some level? Is it some some? On some level, is it the old thing about like, well, it's like a poser thing. I, I, I
1: guess in, in some way, it, it's not that like. You know, being a comic creator, it's it's like it's like you know, your your heart is you know, you're you're deeply committed. You know, you're you're writing it for you know for the comic fans. <clears throat> you know, for the sake of the industry. You know, I, I know it's not necessarily like that because you know, at the end of the day, everyone's you know working for a paycheck. You know, you you we're have, trying to
2: make a living. We're trying yeah. to make a living. And, and tell some stories on the way. You know, and and. Yeah, it's the again. It's the art and commerce thing. Yes, I, I, I want to tell good stories. Yes, I love comics, but I always say one should never love something that doesn't love one back. So if I wasn't able to make a living in comics, I certainly am not. I certainly would not be a person who would sacrifice being able to make a living and support my child because I love comics. I mean, I think that would be blatantly moronic.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, and and is not. And no one can expect someone. You know, you know. If you want to make something a hobby, no, that's a hobby then. If I'm not going to make a, a living at it, um, once you say, once my writing partner once said, you know, the thing about this whole topic about art and commerce and whatever is once once you're asking someone to give you money, once you're saying I want you to go to a job, right, and make money, and then give me some of that money so that I can do what I'm doing. Well, now you've given up the right to say I'm going to kind of do it exactly the way that I want,
0: mm-hmm.
2: which is which can be tough for some people to to absorb because because well, there's always the alternative, which is to just to get a regular job and do your art on the side and require I'm going to just do it my way, you know, yeah, and and that's it. And if if people want to look at it, great. If they don't, it doesn't matter because I'm not making it for them, and that's perfectly legitimate. But that's not commercial.
1: Art. hmm You know? Did we get off the topic? Uh, no, I, I, not necessarily. I don't think so. I mean, we're, we're, we're like yeah, all we're over about, the place.
2: What we're talking about is, 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 is a company that is out. Like if, if a company starts and says, we're going to make comics so that we can sell them to producers and build up an interest in the IP and sell them and make movies, which is where the real money is. hmm isn't that just a reflection of the fact that comics don't make that much money? And if comics don't make that much money, then it's either, it's either we make them to make movies or we don't make comics at all.
1: Yeah, it, it's – I don't know. I mean it, it's just – Which is
2: scary. Which is I understand that's a scary thought. And when, when someone is really deep into comics as an art form, which I am. I love comics as an art form, as, as, an, as, a, as an art form in and of itself. That can be a very hard reality – to swallow, but we
1: live in a world where you have to work for a living. Yeah. But it, I mean, but even when, when you start to see like, like Marvel being affected by their movies, sure. You know, like all of a sudden Wolverine's no longer five foot three, you know, he's, he's starting to get a little taller because.
2: Oh, you mean in the comics? You mean Yeah. Is that true?
1: I I mean, he's, I, I don't know if, if people just forget or if they're, they, I don't, I don't know if there was an editorial mandate that says, you know, st- start drawing them a little bit taller, you know, little by little. I've, know, never
2: seen, I, I've never seen one, but I, I, but I wouldn't be shocked if there was one. I wouldn't be shocked.
1: Yeah, but I because, uh, you, know, we, we, you know, Hugh Jackman, you know, people like him. So, you know, we, we want to try to. Hugh Jackman is Wolverine. For, like it or not, Hugh Jackman is Wolverine. And whenever I hear
2: arguments about, you know, that was not the original whatever, I always remind people, well, you know, Superman didn't fly. When he was invented, there was no... When he was developed, originally, there was no Kryptonite. There was no
1: Lex Luthor.
0: Yeah,
2: This stuff, a lot of this stuff came... Kryptonite, and I believe Lex Luthor came from the radio show.
1: Uh, so, yeah, it might be.
2: It was It was a property that built into what became a mass appeal icon, little okay. by little.
1: All right. Now Now we're on another subject. Because l- let's okay. talk about, like, creator rights. Okay. You okay. Know. creator rights. Okay. Yeah, Go so... On. You know, the Superman, so much controversy over, you know, who, who owns him, you know, the the estates yeah. of his family suing for control and all that. Yeah. And, you know, it all goes back to if it wasn't for Simon Schuster, there'd be no Superman. There's Siegel, Siegel and Schuster. Siegel and Schuster. Sorry. Don't right. no, um, no, apologize to me. <laughs> yeah. I apologize to everyone listening that it. was like, what? Um, <laughs> so, so you know, there there is a, a deep validity to that, you know, and I don't want to sound like I'm belittling the fact that they created this character. But you also have to look at, you know, Superman is such an institutional. You know, he's such an icon. Does all that go back to that first moment of creation? Or is it like the, the numerous other creators that have had, you know, whatever role in, in shaping him to what he is today?
2: Well, it, it, it goes back to the question we were asking, does, does that mean – certainly, first of all, to answer your question specifically, certainly every single person that has contributed to Superman is a – at least on some level, a father or a mother to that character. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, we've decided as a culture that the, the guy that started it is, is the author. You know, other people can add, other people can 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 detract, other people can help it to evolve. But ultimately, you know, it, it was uh, Siegel and Shuster who invented, who developed Superman, and it, it's it's their baby. Um, but the larger question: we're 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 in the we're in the middle of a a period of time. We're actually, I actually believe, from a legal point of view, I'm, I'm a bit a little bit of a law maven. I was, I almost became an attorney. Uh, I was very interested in the law, and there, we're at the tail end of this idea that corporations are people, and and the the problem of artistic ownership is the least the least um, dangerous issue when it comes to the idea that corporations are people. Um, there, are much, much wider, more dangerous, pervasive ramifications on, on uh, the life of the daily life of every American. Yeah. And uh, oh, and speaking of a daily American, hi, baby. What yeah. you doing? Yeah. That's amazing. Papa's pontificating.
0: I put that book in there.
2: You put the book in the bag?
0: And an apple, too.
2: Oh, that's awesome. You're showing Tony? She's showing you that she put a book and an apple in a bag. Nice. Delightful. Nice. It's wonderful for a two-and-a-half-year-old baby. Yay! <laughs> hey, can Papa finish talking? Is that okay?
1: No. It's like you've been talking for like an hour. <laughs>
2: um, yes, do you want, to sit down, you want to sit with Papa or you want to go back to your um, playroom? Why don't you sit with me for a little while? Oh, you go back to the playroom now? She does the opposite. <laughs> yeah, the easiest way to get her to do something is to insist that she does the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was I was saying, and I hope this is interesting to your to your readers, um, listeners, listeners. Uh, oh, and readers. Who
1: hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, they're reading yeah. too. Uh,
2: um, at, you know, at some point, these characters belong to all of us, uh, and that's a concept of public domain, which uh, a lot of people are very resistant about because when you have a property that makes tons of money, you don't necessarily want to give it up to the public domain and have to rely on other things that you invent. Um, but I, I I think that it's going to change. I I think that in the next 10 to 20 years, um, you're going to see the death of the idea that a corporation is a person. And you're, and the beginning of that death will be like we talked about before companies um, that have relied on a work for hire model up till now are going to start um, opening up like, like, uh, like Cuba becoming more democratic because the reality of, you know, not of there being companies like Dark Horse, and and companies like Top Cow and Arkea that will let you retain your rights and and give you a fair share when your property becomes something major. Um, is just becoming so attractive to people, uh, and such an option for people that other that companies who don't work that way are going to have to start at least blending that model into their business. Yeah. Uh, and that will turn into, you know. I mean, look. At the end of the day, Siegel and Schuster, they invented Superman. They made a deal. Whether that deal was fair at the time is a matter for the courts to decide. But you came back, yay! You want to sit with me for a little while? A book. Okay, come sit with me for a little while. So no, I insist that you stay here with me. Stay here with me. Oh. That's for Al. It's Al. You want to say hi? He can see. I'm pretending he can see it. He can see your owl. Wow! <laughs> Very well done. The baby owl. The baby brown owl. Can I give him? Can I give the brown owl a kiss? Mwah! We're <laughs> gonna to have to wash him soon. You're going to sit up with me. So, what do you, Tony? What do you think? I've talked a lot. Well, um, I mean, I mean that. That's. Not that's. As far as your listeners know this. So, what do you think?
1: That that's the whole debate, because you know, or, or like, take someone like like, like Hawkeye. You know, he's. He's very popular right now. You know, people are, are loving the Matt Fraction comic. Does that you know? Do you? But you have also have to consider. You know, Stan Lee and, and Don Heck created the character. So, is the success of that series now because of of Stan and Don, or is right. it because of Matt and and David?
0: Or
2: why can't it be both?
1: Yeah, but uh, you know, but what? Going back to Superman, you know, like you mentioned, he couldn't fly. You know, there was the Krypton. You know, all, all all these things were added later so it's, yeah, it's but, like but, but but take that example the core
2: the core identity of the character you can argue the the argument can be made that the core identity of that character or the core things that make that character superman you know that he's clark kent he comes from another planet called krypton they're they're all in place
1: did they even so, did they even mention krypton because i don't I, in, in action comics number one i i'm trying to think of if they had the origin or not
2: I'm oh boy, you know that's a good question. I don't want to, I, you know, I'm never going to be yelled at uh, by the listeners, or, or maybe the listeners will be cool and they'll understand that we don't have Wikipedia at our fingertips. But I'm going to guess. Gee, I don't know, I, I, you know I don't know.
1: I, I believe like some of it, or you know, I, I'm I'm pretty sure like like Jorrell, what didn't come till till later.
2: Let's find. Let's find so, out. And
1: and then the question is, you know, who like who created Jorrell and. And
2: well, the question that becomes: How important, you know, how important is what Siegel and Shuster did in the first appearance and, and their subsequent stories versus what was added? Right. Uh, right. According to Wikipedia,
1: Jarl was created by Siegel and Shuster.
2: <laughs> okay, <laughs> and Baby Superman sent to Earth by scientist's father, did from a distant planet, uh, found by a passing motorist, uh, Superman named Clark Kent. Yeah, I mean, look, these are, these are what I would argue. And look, the thing, there's no hard and fast rules. What people don't understand about going to court is that very little in court, people don't go to court when the law is very delineated and very clear because they don't bother. Because they, 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 they're, they're, they're going to go, let's not go to court and waste our time because the judge is going to look at the law and say, this is the law and that's it. Right? So there's no real point in trying to sue someone over X or Y or Z. If the law is, is delineated, people go to court when the law isn't delineated, or they or they feel that they can make an argument, um, and then it's up to the judge. And I think that's a wonderful system that we have. That it's up to an individual human being, often, to decide, you know, to balance things out, to balance the points of view of two groups of people, and decide what's the best, not what's right or wrong, but what's the best outcome of this situation, what's the fairest, not what's fair but what's fair risks. And people who aren't aren't familiar with the law often have trouble with that concept. Yeah. So I think the fairest thing from that point of view, the fairest thing to say is that yes, Eagle and Schuster are the authors of Superman plain and simple.
1: Yeah. But it, 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 yeah. I mean, cause cause then, you know, when you look at like everyone that's been added later or, you know, the other stories that has, has have shaped Superman that they that could have been done with, with some other character that someone else invented, like you know maybe DC or Timely or whoever you know said, <laughs> yeah, here here's a character Super Bob, and you know he's he's going to deal with all these guys and you know all these villains. Sure. So and, and again, I'm not trying to take the the creator ownership away, but you know you need even you take someone like like Spider Man, you know Stan Lee spent a lot of time working on that, but then you look at everything that came afterwards. You know, it, it's not just the original creator with, with these characters because they are allowed to be written and and evolved by others.
2: Well, let's let's let's, let's turn this conversation from abstract into into pragmatic, right? Because because we're gonna go in circles otherwise. But mm-hmm. so I, I would here, you know, I would be for this. Okay, so let's say I create Superman, right? The 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 drunken superhero. Mm-hmm. And then, over the next decade or two, people add stuff or whatever. So let's say someone makes a movie thirty years from now, and they're basing it on some whippersnappers arc, you know, twelve issue arc on Superman. I wouldn't be. I I would think it would be fair to say that the original creator gets the bulk of the license money, and if you um, contributed. To an arc of a story that's being used primarily in the film, then obviously there should be financial remun- remuneration for that too. Right now, that doesn't happen in the case of Marvel and DC because, technically speaking, for the most part, because technically speaking, Marvel and DC are the legal authors of the work. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a whole other set of issues that the the idea of who created what you can't even begin to deal with that until that issue is resolved.
1: Yeah. So, so I guess if like if and I haven't seen the Wolverine yet, but I, well, we're, when we're recording this, I'm going to hopefully see it this weekend. Obviously, so,
2: spits in the Claremont stuff a lot. Yeah, so that,
1: that's that's thing. You know, let, let's say they they really they, they pull from that you know four issue arc and you know other stuff that he, he's done. Yeah, I, I guess technically they don't have to credit nope. him because nope. he that was hurt. working for Marvel, so they owned what right. he was doing.
2: Author and, and, and Marvel has become legally speaking, the author of the work.
1: So they're in the right of, to do that, but I guess then the, 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 the common courtesy would be like, hey...
2: Well, this nothing's about t- courtesy. Wait, no, nothing it's a business. Nothing's about courtesy. What, yeah. it, what it's about is, if anything, and, and I, I'm not against this. I think this is a good thing. If anything, what it is, is Chris Claremont, this, this person is a valuable asset to our company, and we should try to make him feel that value,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, that we value him, and we value his contribution, um, and and that's one way that we can show that.
1: Yeah, that I, does that make sense? I, I yeah, I mean, I that's what, that I, you know that's where the, the the common courtesy part would come in. It's like you want to keep these guys happy that have done so much, you know. They well, get-
2: the, the problem comes when you're doing it for some people and not for others. Yeah. Because a company, a publicly owned company, I don't, I don't think Marvel's publicly owned, but a, but a company in general is supposed to be doing what's best for it um, as a matter of policy in terms of profits so that it can keep people employed and keep the economy going and contribute to the economy and, keep, and, and, and just you know to the, to the good and the welfare. Um, the problem comes when you're doing it for some people and not for others because then, then that becomes harder to justify from a corporate point of view. From a corporate point of view – how do you do that for X and not do it for Y when the conditions are arguably exactly the same? Yeah. And, you know, and then, you, well, then you argue, well, at, we perceive as a company that X is more valuable to us as Y, so we're doing a courtesy. Ah, well, it's a courtesy? Mm, then, then you get into trouble because companies aren't supposed to do courtesies mm-hmm. for people. They're supposed to do what's best, legally speaking. And, and, a, and a publicly traded company – has has an absolutely delineated legal obligation to do what's best for its shareholders. That that's a, that's an actual legal obligation
0: that yeah. people
2: can be sued over if 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 the officers of a company of a publicly traded company aren't doing what's best for the shareholders, they can be sued because it's a legal obligation. So, in other words, to say all this stuff is incredibly complicated Mm -hmm. and that everyone involved is doing, is genuinely doing their best for the most part. get a couple of bad apples every once in a while, but for the most part, people are, people go to work trying to do their best for everybody involved and it's not black and white. It just isn't.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, and it, it goes back to, you know, what you, I think you mentioned before, um, when you're working for a, a corporate company, yeah, you, you know you're gonna wa- you're gonna want to hang on to what you feel is a really cool or great idea for yourself, so you can own it. You're not gonna give that to the corporation that once you 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 know that's, put it on, on paper. That,
2: that's um that you know when you when you're working in let's say for example the pharmaceutical field where an individual really can't. Like you, you you, may be a brilliant biologist, um, you may uh, be a brilliant pharmacologist, but by yourself with the resources from your job at Barnes & Nobles, you're not going to be able to develop, patent, and distribute um, a, a new medication. It's, mm-hmm. it's just the costs are too high. It's, it's, it's impossible. Um, so you work for a company and they're patent sharing and you know there are systems that are allocated to to handle that. And 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 some people feel that it's fair, some people feel it's less than fair, but there's a system there. Comics, an individual what corporations in comics have to realize is that, and I think they have realized it, and they're making adjustments because they do realize that individuals can put out a webcomic and sell it to you know, universal mm-hmm. and and develop a television show and completely cut out a publisher, and it's happening. It's yeah. happened. Mm-hmm. It's happened. Walking Dead is a great example. Yeah, you know. So um, yeah, so it, it something has to give at some point
0: because
1: yeah,
2: um, you know because it, it has to.
1: You know when when you're in like an up and coming writer it's like if, if you know Marvel or DC says hey we're gonna give you a job you right. know, of course you're gonna be like great you know I'm all over you know you' you're gonna accept it but so so that's the difference you know because I, I I've seen creators on both sides of, of the argument about you know you you create a character for for Marvel you know they own that that character they may give you the common courtesy and give you you know creator credit, which I don't know, maybe today that might involve a little – some share of royalty or something like that, or maybe that's all you get is just a name recognition. So you you know that going into it, and I, I guess that's the, the price you pay because by working for Marvel or DC or – that, that,
2: that argument holds no water, legally speaking. I mean, I, again, I'm just – I'm talking about all of this from a very specific point of view. Legally speaking, there is – there is a strange, and I've encountered it with my friends before. There is a strange attitude of, well, you knew what you were getting into, which frankly, I think, to be honest, is somewhat akin to, you knew what you were getting into when you walked in that neighborhood at 2 a.m. in the morning, you know, kind of thing, or when you rode the bus that late or whatever. It's that kind of thinking, that kind of mentality, which I've never really understood. But the reality is, the law just doesn't – the courts have not recognized that. The courts have recognized that there are situations where you sign a contract, but you're kind of under duress
0: mm-hmm.
2: economically. Um, now, I'm not saying that this is a one-to-one ratio that applies to every possible situation conceivably. I'm not saying that at all. Um, but it's not – it's nowhere near as simple as saying, well, you knew what you were getting into when you signed that contract um the reason the reason marvel and dc that their contracts in the last 20 years have changed to allow for some level of financial participation is the recognition that they were getting sued left and right Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know that they were getting sued by people who you know they had a contract they had a work for hire agreement but you know at some point the courts are saying you know what that's just not good enough these these agreements aren't fair on some level these agreements are not fair um, so it's not that simple. So I, I so I reject that argument, you know, from from the get go. And anyone who makes that argument is just kind of ignorant of of, of what these companies are dealing with on a day to day basis legally now. Yeah. So there.
1: I don't know. I mean, I I, I guess it would be a a, a a tough position. It's like you know, let let's say you're the writer of.
2: Well, let's go know. the other way. Let's let's go the other way. Let's say I'm, I'm the publisher. I'm putting – hold on one second. I want to make sure my child is not dying. <laughs> okay. yeah, here. All right. Ready to go. Okay. Um, uh, let's, let's look at it from the opposite point of view. Let's look at it from a publisher's point of view. So some guy comes to me. He's got a great idea and I'm going to pay him to sit at home and develop this idea and I'm going to be his patron. Obviously, that does entitle me to something. Mm-hmm. You know and and from a from a standard American or u k publisher's point of view what that entitles you to do is I'm gonna pay you a royalty against an advance against royalties for the right to publish this story in North America and um we're gonna decide on a profit sharing scheme and I'm going to count what I pay you against that amount um and then the rest is uh you know whatever percentage we decided upon you know and that system works it's it's worked for Hundreds of years, mm-hmm. literally, literally hundreds of years that pub, that, that scheme has worked. So, I, I think I think that that's what we're going to see happen in comics.
0: Yeah,
2: I don't, don't know. Publisher shouldn't get anything for you know. God knows. I mean, you know, look, they provide the capital. I'm a capitalist. I'm a I, I'm a capitalist. They provide the capital. A publisher provides me with the means of developing and illustrating and putting out an idea, and they publish it and market it and do all the things that I can't do on my own. They absolutely you know, deserve a good chunk of what I'm doing. I'm just saying that I also deserve a good chunk of what I'm doing.
1: Yeah. I mean it, it, it's – And that's the bottom line. It's, it's a weird thing because – and like let's say you know, you're going to write an X-Men book. You know, if they're giving you that sandbox to play in – Without you know, almost without you even putting a a word down on the page, you're you're kind of guaranteed some success because you're you're playing in that sandbox. You're using you know those that universe,
2: right? But but I'm not sure what the point to that that is because I I I'm I'm also not gonna pay for the privilege of of doing that. I mean that's that's you know
1: i i i mean I, I don't know what the answer is. I'm, I'm not saying i i feel one way or the other, but you know you're going to create a new character that's going to exist in the x men universe Let, let's right. let's say you, you do that you you, you create a character okay. all right let's and just, and you know he's he's part of there versus in an alternate world you decide not to not to work for them, and you create the same exact character creator owned right you know so, so there's there's a possibility they could be equally successful going back to like walking dead, or there's a chance that it could totally fly under the radar because it doesn't have, you know, all the, the marketing and everything like you mentioned before.
0: And, oh, yeah. I, and I'm,
1: I'm not saying that, that, you know, you, you own less of the character, you know, one way or the other. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it, I think it's, it's just a very sticky situation and I, I'm not trying to knock it either way. And and you know going back to Siegel and Schuster, I- I'm not saying they aren't owed anything. It's just
2: I think, and I think that's the I, mean, I think that's it. I, I think I think that's that in a nutshell. That's that's I don't think anyone in that camp is saying we should own Superman lock, stock, and barrel. I don't think anyone is saying that. I think that what they're saying, I mean, I mean look, maybe they are saying that. Uh, you know, but but what I've understood. Is that the thought process is we give up these rights uh, or our progenitors, Siegel and Schuster, give up these rights um, under under sort of very – and the law has already recognized this on some level because they've been they've been awarded stuff in the past. Mm-hmm. So obviously on some level, the law has recognized this, right? Yeah. So. And at the end of the day, it's kind of none of our business uh, because it's 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 something that's between two parties, and they're going to work it out, um, and they're each going to make their arguments, and they're going to work it out to and try to get the best deal for themselves, which is the way it's supposed to work. Um, it, I, I think the takeaway, the, the simply simply stated, the takeaway in principle, to me, simply is always going to be. If you want the best work from creators, you got to cut them in.
1: Exactly. And, and, and that going back to that's where even if it's just a common currency, like, you know, thanks to, you know, Chris Claremont for, you know, this, whatever, you know. It's no, like, it's
2: good, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you there. It's got to it's be financial. It's got to be take home pay. Because if you, if, if, as a society, as a business, we're going to say, I want you. I want to open the gate. You want to open the gate? Yes. Okay. Can you wait a minute? Can you pause one second? Sure. Sorry. Okay. I'll look you want to have your shoes
1: on. <laughs> so yeah, and yeah, there there should be some some financial payment, but when when you have so many people with their hands on a on a, on a character, mm. like let's let's take Wolverine. Uh, so w- what if? I mean, I'm assuming maybe it was Chris Claremont that had him start calling people Bub, you know. But but let's say it wasn't him. Should if, if he says that a lot in a movie, should that person get paid for that? Or let's say someone else decided Wolverine's hair is going to have the, the the funky you know thing. Should that yeah. person get paid for the movie? So it's it's like I don't know. You know, it's I, it's like
2: oh, these are all really 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 good
1: questions. And it's just so I don't know. Every, I mean, and, and again, I'm not trying to deny it anyone. That.
2: Here's here's the danger in what you're saying. Here's 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 the part that that makes my hair go up a little bit on my back. Because you're you're right. You're right to say
1: I'm that. playing devil's advocate. I'm not I'm not committing to anything.
2: Here here here's what I'm saying. You're right. You're right to point out that In serial character storytelling, many different people over many, potentially years, will contribute to a character and contribute things that we all recognize as being intrinsic to a character. But, does that negate the concept? Because if you follow your thinking too far down the line, then you start to negate the actual concept of any kind of authorship. I mean, Sherlock Holmes, when Conan Doyle wrote Sherlock Holmes, he never had him in a deerstalker. That, that came from an actor who played him on stage.
0: Uh-huh.
2: And yet that's an incredibly recognizable aspect to the character nowadays. That kind of comes and goes depending on who's playing the character. But at the end of the day, you have to ascribe authorship to a single entity and it has to be the person for which it originated. Unless, unless the argument could be made, unless the changes made are so pervasive as to make the character unrecognizable. So here's so here's an interesting way to measure what you're saying. Does the fact that someone else if you took away bub and if you took away all of these things that other people invented over the over the last 20 years and just showed Wolverine's first appearance, would he be unrecognizable as Wolverine?
1: That, that's that's uh, and the
2: answer is no. The answer is clearly if I showed a kid and had them read Wolverine's first appearance, Wolverine versus Hulk, whatever that was, uh, my my guess is that he would recognize that character as Wolverine. He may He may be like, why does Wolverine wear this costume or why is he doing like this or why is he doing that? But he would still recognize him as Wolverine. If I showed a kid Action Comics number one – which does not have kryptonite, does not have Lois Lane, or whatever, or does not have Lex Luthor. Would a kid recognize, would the average person recognize that character as Superman? The answer is probably yes. Mm-hmm. So that I, think that, I think that's the answer to the question.
1: Yeah. So, so then, continuing to play the devil's advocate and all this, because sure. you know, you're saying that you know, if you create something, you should get a piece of it, but then let's say, you did create the bub, but they're going to say, "Okay, we're going to go back to the original creators. Thanks for for creating bub, but we're going to just pay that single, you know, first creator."
2: Well, to to be pragmatic about your example,
1: I don't think you can do it with bub. I'm okay? just saying That's something like- else that was. but you know-
2: yeah, we, we, we talked about this. We said we said I said. Let's let's let, what would be fair to me, and I'm I'm commenting on a situation I know nothing about. So everybody, all my friends at Marvel, please keep in mind that we're just shooting the crap.
1: Yeah, and and we're uh, not we're not singling Marvel yeah, yeah, over yeah. DC. Just, absolutely, just an absolutely. example.
2: And, and then and by the way, everyone at Marvel, people at Marvel have you know all very similar opinions, and it, it, it's stuff that we as creators and editors and whatever we all discuss. So it's not it's not a revolting topic. But for example, what would be fair to me is. Well, Lynn Ween and whomever invented Dave Cockrum invented Wolverine, they should probably get the line share. But Chris, if Chris Claremont's, you know, run uh, arc of Wolverine provided the bulk of the story for this new Wolverine movie, he should probably get a big chunk of money too. What should that percentage be? Well, we have we have entities like the WGA
1: to decide things like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It, it's just it's 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 so it's such a mess. I mean, I,
2: is, is it a mess?
1: I, I don't know that it is a mess. Is it a mess? Oh, the, the fact that Chris Claremont didn't get any recognition.
2: Was so Chris Claremont complaining, or are we are we complaining for him?
1: I say I don't. I, I kind of I I haven't investigated, but I, I just heard like I might have been like on Twitter or something like that. That I don't know if he's made an official statement, or maybe he's just like I'm not going to make an official statement, or maybe my lawyers will be making an official statement. You know, as soon as they. Get everything well, together
2: I'm, let, me, let me look real quick I have the handy dandy internet
1: yeah so i mean i I'm just just saying an example like that because again, chances are if 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 like, let's say the the next Avengers movie let's say they base that off of a certain story arc you know its it's called age of Ultron, but we're we have to assume it's not going to deal with that necessarily so right. but let let's say the next whatever movie they pretty much base it on an, an existing story arc right. Do they have to give that ac- acknowledgement?
2: We we an- we answered that question. Yeah, we
1: did because the Marvel is the author and the
2: others Marvel is the technically legally speaking, Marvel is the author of this material. Um, I don't know how. I know that. I know that. I've never been in this situation, so I don't know. I know that creators who create, like you know, like Rob Blackfield probably got a piece of something for Deadpool in the last Wolverine movie and whatever. I know that create creating creation of characters is kind of covered in a royalty type of situation. I don't know if a story arc situation is is covered, you know, kind of thing. If you create a story arc that's borrowed from, I mean, like, I know like Weezy Simonson wrote a lot of the Spider-Man black suit church bell sequence, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't think she got any money for that being in Spider-Man 3. So I don't know. I don't think it would be wrong if she did. That's I mean that's the best answer that I can give to that question.
1: Yeah, it's just you know um, like let, let's say they decide to make an X-Men Noir movie. Cuz sure, you, okay. you you were involved with that. You you it's a
2: terrific movie.
1: Yeah. So you know you 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 played a big role in in that concept I guess we could say.
2: I, I would argue that uh, that me and Fred Lanti Van Venti played a very large role in the overall exactly. overarching concept, but so did so did Marvel Editorial.
1: Yeah, very so, much. So, Nick
2: Cosby, Axel Alonso, Joby so
1: all you guys, everyone involved with with that series, every, yeah. you know, letter everyone, everyone you know played played some role in it. Sure. L- let's say you know after this current X Men, you know, Days of Future Past, whatever, you know, First Class. Let's say they're going to we're going to make a. a X-Men noir movie, you know, movie set in a noir time period, tone, vibe. And, you know, are, are they going to say, hey, thanks, guys, or this movie is based on this series created by all these wonderful people?
2: If they, if they made an X-Men noir, let's, let's be more pragmatic. Let's say they made an X-Men noir cartoon, which is much more likely, right? That's, that's more likely to happen in the real world. Um, if, if I never heard about it, if I was never consulted about it, me or Fred, um, and we were never consulted about it and we were never paid for it, I would not be shocked. I would not be shocked in the slightest because we, because we, we did develop a somewhat unique concept but based on concepts developed by other people. So it's not quite the same kind of situation. hmm you know, I would hope that we would at least get some acknowledgement on some level. But I, I don't think that they would be legally obligated to give us anything, money or acknowledgement.
1: But then it goes to that common courtesy thing, which, you know, end of the day, I that doesn't put food on the table. Of, we're,
2: we're, I, I I have no problem saying that either me or Fred, neither, neither of us are important enough to Marvel. I mean, I have a good relationship at Marvel. I hope to work with them again soon. Um, and I'm sure I will at some point. But uh, I... I don't think that I mean Fred and I are not important enough at all to Marvel to to merit that sort of courtesy. It's just it's just that's just reality. And I always think it's best to know it's best to know your 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 jockeying position in situations like this. It's best to know because you know a, a, a lot of business is about can you pull something off? Yes or no? Can you get someone else to do something? Yes or no? And. You don't want to go into a situation in any kind of business thinking that you can pull something off that you can't. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's just reality. Yeah. You know, reality's a harsh mistress.
1: Yeah. And I wonder what the reality of people listening to this, because I mean, I, I think you know, like I said, there, it, it's I think it's it's kind of a, a a sticky situation where you know everyone should be entitled. Well, sticky for who? Sticky for who? It's for, for everyone. I mean, both, both sides. It's like, you know, you do the work, you should get the credit for it. But, you know, if you, you create something for a, a big corporation, you know, and it's like what you said, like with the Apple product, you know, you, you, you could have this great idea. You can't do necessarily as much on your own if you don't have the resources to create and develop and patent and, you know, right. make this technology. Except, except
2: comics, except comics, you can.
1: Yeah. Which I is mean, why eventually these companies are going to keep bending.
2: Um, and, 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 and make more allowances for profit sharing and stuff like that because you can. You, you can. Uh, anyone listening out there, you know, and, I, and I, advise, I advise anybody, you know, whether you've been doing comics for 20 years or five minutes, like, you know, and, and if you want to go do stuff for Marvel and DC, wonderful. There are wonderful people working at those companies and you can do great work with them, but always be working on your own stuff too. yeah My daughter's playing a song for you. Nice. Can you play a song for Tony, baby? Ah,
1: uh, <laughs> isn't that great? <laughs> <laughs> it's some good background music going on. It's the best. Um, definitely
2: invest uh, do a dual web comic. A web don't cost anything to do and, and require very little time. Do one page a week on a webcomic and invest in your own intellectual property.
1: Yeah, and 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 I, I've I've told that to people too. I mean. You know, sometimes people ask me, you know, how should I get into comics? And obviously I'm not an expert in that side of, uh, of you know, things because I haven't attempted that myself. But, you right. know, I always tell people, you know, do a webcomic, put it out there for free. You know, you're, you're not going to make money off of it right away, but you're showing what you're, you, what you're capable of.
2: But you can do it without losing money, which yeah. is the important thing. You can do, I don't know any, I mean, I don't know any job, but you can't, you can't spare it out. Four hours a week to do one page of comics, write and draw one page of comics and put it up on the web on some free site. You know, so it is possible.
1: Yeah, and and I, I think you need to do that because that's your investment. You know, you you won't, you know, see any returns in the beginning, but then chances are, you know, it, it could catch on or you can catch someone's interest and it could get you another gig or or. Maybe- and by the
2: way, no no other business does. I always liken it to you know if you if you're gonna invest and open a shoe store. On some street, you don't, you don't expect to turn a profit the first year or two. You'll expect to run in the red while you get to know your clientele and people know that you're there and get to know what your style is and what kind of shoes you're selling and yada, yada, yada. And you adapt. I mean these are the kinds of it's, – it's the kind of thing when you go back to the idea of starting a career in the arts. People get very nervous about it and I'm always like if, if you think about it as a normal business, then you'll see a lot of parallels and you won't be so – Afraid, And maybe you should. Like, like if you wanted to open up a shoe store, maybe you would go work for Jimmy Choo's or Tom McCann or someone else for a little while while you gain some experience before you go off on your own. Mm-hmm. And, um, and maybe there is an analog to that in the arts where you go work for somebody else as an assistant or whatever while you get to know – or as an assistant editor, while you get to know what the business is like before you open your own business of you know, your own art or your own writing.
1: i yeah so so i mean it's just it's just a whole it 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 seems like such a wrong idea that if you create a character for a big name publisher, you don't own that character because you know you're 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 basically doing it for them and you know and but hopefully you are gonna have some creative control over that. And, and you know, maybe that's where you, you have to make sure you have, you know, a good lawyer or whatever to look at whatever papers you're signing. And I, I'm assuming like even like with with image and dark horse, you know, if if you you own that that character, you know, you need to make sure you're aware of what exactly you're you're agreeing to.
2: Well, you know, but it goes back to that same idea that yeah, be aware of what you're agreeing to. But com- co- contracts are also very fluid. There have been companies who have published work. I mean, I I know this through my agent and through and through people that I've worked with on the entertainment side of the business. That there are companies that say I'm not going to name names, but there have been companies that have said, you know, we don't own this property. We're publishing this with you and blah blah blah. And then when it comes time to sell. The property to a TV show, as you know, develop it as a television show or a movie. The publishing company comes up and says, "Oh, you owe us money," and the contract says black and white. They don't; they're not owed anything. But they just pop up and say, "Well, you know, we can just take you to court and make it difficult for you, or you can just pay us." And that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's not black and white. I think that often, unfortunately, the onus is put on the individual person and not the company, and that that's that's always puzzled me. Because sometimes that attitude comes from individuals. You knew what you were getting into. You should have read that contract more closely or blah, 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 blah. Like, wow. Like, you really just... There's a hostility factor that's going on, too. That uh, you shouldn't have been riding that bus at 2 o'clock in the morning in that neighborhood. You should have known that was going to happen to you, kind of a thing.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Wow, I can't believe we spent so much time talking about this. I mean, to me, like I (laughs) said... It's a very complex topic. It is, and and hopefully, it's it's been an entertaining one. Because and Oops. you know there are people out there that, that you know, maybe you know someday could be in a similar situation, and you know these are things that you know you need to think about, and and you know things are changing, which is great, and hopefully they'll continue to change, you know, for everyone. Because you know I, I even look at like like let's say Comic Vine. You know I am I'm, I'm one of the founders of the site, and now. I I don't own anything of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, because cause, you know, it it started off. It was the three of us that 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 made it, and then when Whiskey Media formed, most of it went to Whiskey Media. I still own you know a small piece of it, but then right. once well. CBS came along, you know, there is there is nothing. So right. as the site continues to to grow and increase and become more profitable, I I I can't say that hey. I'm entitled to that because I was well, there. Do you, have,
2: do you have any participation in that at all? What's that? If if the site gets bigger and bigger and bigger and makes more profits or whatever, do you are you do you have any without obviously getting into specifics? I know
1: I, I have nothing. I mean, I'll, I'll say right now, it's like I, I don't. It, Comic Vine is is owned by CBS Interactive. You, know,
2: you 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 have no
1: financial interest. I have nothing, and I have no costs. The same thing. Like if all of a sudden. You know, because, you know, people always ask is like, well, how can you use all, all these images? You know, you don't own them. And we never claim, you know, if we have a picture of Superman on site, we, we're not claiming we own that. I, I get people that'll ask me, it's like, can I use, you know, some images for this paper or this? Or, and I say, we don't own, own, I can't give you permission because we don't we don't own it. And, you know, Marvel and DC, they're well aware of what we're doing because, you know, the encyclopedic nature and the yeah. review site, you know, part of it. So journalism, the, the, right. the fair use, and you know, all, all that stuff. But let's say all of a sudden something changes, and someone decides to sue Comic Vine. I, I, I it's not on me because I have no, no. Well, let me
2: ask you this, without again, without getting into specifics, because it's not my, it's not my business, and none of the business of anybody listening to this. But do you, do you feel that you were compensated for sale of your business? enough that you're you're happy with the conditions under which you're living now. Yeah so you, I, I, I would, knowing, knowing that for some reason, if everything blows up, you're not gonna participate like further, you're not gonna participate financially. Are you satisfied with what you've already been given, that you feel like, okay, I've I've been compensated enough.
1: I mean yeah, I I I say yeah. Because yeah. um you know I that's why I'm still here. You know, when when the and I don't know how much I should be saying, but you know when when it it the the deal was being made you know, some people can't, you know, talk to me. They're like, here's an offer, you know, for you to continue doing what you're doing. And, you know, I could have said, yeah, you know, I'm going to move on. But I, you know, I still believe in the site. And that's why, you know, I'm still, you know, working my butt off, work you know, seven days a week on the site to keep it going. Even though I don't have that, you know, that that stake in it anymore.
2: Yeah, right, right, right. But
1: at the same time, it's like, you know, as as as. Because we have the power of CBS, you know, we we have the marketing team to get more advertisers and get, you know, sponsorships and stuff like that. I don't necessarily I don't have a right to say, Hey, you know, you sold whatever this this big ad, you know, deal. I should get part of that since, you know, I helped shape the site and I'm still run you know, I, I can't say that. I can't lay any claim to that if and
2: well, I mean, as, as that applies to what we were talking about before, it would be different if if a publisher said, "We're going to give you this f- buttload of money," so we don't uh, ahead of time, but we're going to own it. Now, now, now look, I, I've been in situations where I was developing things for people, and they said, "We're going to pay you like literally quadruple your rate, but we're going to own this, lock, stock, and barrel," and. There have been times when I've said – in the back of my mind, I said, well, I need the money and frankly, I don't think this is going to go anywhere. So that's fine with me. And There have been other times when I've said, I don't know if this is going anywhere but I'm happy with the deal as is. And There have been – once or twice, there have been situations where I've said, you know what? I think that I'm investing enough in this project, in this property, in this thing that no, I'll, I'll, I'll take a smaller pay you know, up front because I want to participate in this mm-hmm. later on because I believe in this. So, you know, so there's no, again, there's no hard and fast rules. And, and I think one of the keys to our discussion is that those delineations are much clearer now than they were 25, 30 years ago, let alone 50 or 60 years ago.
1: And, 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 but then, like, you know, there, let, let's say Comic Vine takes over the world, you know, it, there's such oh, a, sure. not the world, but, you know, let, let's say it just explodes It's such a huge thing I I pass away, you know. This, let's say, it's, it's you know something happens
2: a long time from now.
1: Yeah, I I I don't know if I would feel like like my ancestors are entitled to something because I was you know part of it in the beginning. Well, the law speaks to that.
0: You know, I hate
2: to keep harping with the same answer, but the law does 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 speak to that in the sense that I think, generally speaking, copyright laws and public domain laws are designed. To say you invent something great, wonderful, benefit your children, benefit grandchildren, benefit a little bit less. But we're not going to create a dynasty where your great, 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 great grandchildren are just going to rest on these laurels and not generate anything. Because then the world becomes just Paris Hilton's. Yeah. To be honest, you know the, these laws are also they're they're public domain laws. Are also were also enacted in recognition of the fact that we don't want society to stagnate, you know, creatively, culturally. So you say something's invented, it has its run, and then it, it's supposed to fall by the wayside. Sherlock Holmes now belongs to everyone as a character. Maybe not the individual stories, but as a character, Sherlock Holmes belongs to everyone, including as a, CBS as a cultural as a cultural. Uh, as a cultural um, Touchstone. I mean, yeah, like the CBS was sued by the BBC because the BBC was claiming they owned or they invented the idea of, of putting Sherlock Holmes in a modern context. And they, you know, as far as I know, they lost because you couldn't really, you know, Sherlock Holmes doesn't belong to the BBC.
1: Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I like both shows. I, I will.
0: I do too. They're honestly, both great shows.
1: I just wish the BBC one would, would start up again.
2: Ah, they take their time. That's so not necessarily a bad thing,
1: yeah You
2: know, they'll they'll do well they'll yeah. be all right
1: <laughs> uh, maybe we should uh <laughs> wrap it up i mean if if you, if you need to go or if you want to take on a yeah, few okay, questions but,
2: uh, you know we've talked we've talked this sub- i think we've talked this subject through and through
1: yeah I mean, I don't know how much time you have to talk we in general
2: come, we can keep going a little while longer
1: okay because we'll we'll do some of the. Community questions.
2: Let's do, let's do community questions.
1: So just, just our thoughts, because we are experts on everything. Yes. Not really, but.
2: Yeah, okay. ah, well, uh, I am.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> I've been I, looking at this one question. It's like, I don't remember. I, I read, someone says, I love your intense voice. So, Is that you? Yeah. Um, I don't remember. Really? I, I think I.
2: Yeah, you, have a, you have a very personable voice. I don't know if I would describe it as intense. I don't know. Okay,
1: see, now you're doing that on purpose. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I got to look you in the eyes. Let's just talk like this from now hey, on. Everyone. Yes. So, S. Wagner017 says, in the pe- It wasn't this, it, this, this guy.
2: Let's cut this out.
1: Go ahead. Um, in the past, you have commented a few times about how the production of two issues a month for some Marvel Now titles can hurt the wallets of comic book readers. So, you, you, you understand what that means, right? You know yes. how, like, the, the twice a month and. And But again, they're not forcing you to do it, but if, right, if, if sure. you want to read, you know, you know whatever, I, I can't think of any. Like, all new X-Men, you have to buy it twice a month. So, okay. um, Along the same line, I was wondering what you think of DC's announcement of Villains Month, where multiple issues will be published for some titles in September. I can imagine this being particularly problematic for readers that collect all of the Batman titles. Now here, it, it's possible... This, you know, because this question was, was asked over a month ago, like almost two months ago, actually. Um, it's, it's not necessarily the case where, because I, I think like The Flash has like three or four villains titles. And so what, what it comes down to is I believe there's only 52 titles still coming out. So it's right. not, not like I'm only reading The Flash. Oh, now I got to read, I got to buy four issues this month instead of just one. So. I, I think it's 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 spread out, and and you know there are some. If you're reading Just League of America's vibe, there's not a villains mm-hmm. month, month issue because the series is, I guess, too new. You know, okay. so, um, I think this is more problematic for retailers because if if you're what, let's pause here for one second. Okay, let's pause just. Uh, so th- this is more of a problem for retailers because you know if if you're you're buying x amount of issues of let's say Scott Snyder's Batman, whatever villains month you know books may not sell the same amount. So right. I think that that's where it gets gets trickier. And as a reader, I, I guess you just have to decide: Do you want to get that Gorilla Grodd um, villains issue of the Flash, or or not? And and. That again, that's where it's it's hard for the retailers because they can't know how many copies they should be buying.
2: Yeah, I mean it's a tough situation. Uh, you know, the reality is that this cross promotion kind of thing does work and overall elevates the sales of all the books involved. That's just factual reality. That I it surprised me, but it really is true. Um, but I do think in principle, look, if I were running my own comic company, I do think in principle I'd like to make every book st- as standalone as possible. So that if you really do decide all you can afford is one copy, you know, one line of Superman a month, that it is a, sat- a wholly satisfying and complete experience, and that you feel you got your money's worth, not just a piece, you know, of a larger pie.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And Marvel was like that in the 80s, you know, so to speak. I mean, before sort of like Secret Wars 2 or whatever, whenever the delineation, you know, was. There was a sense that I could read. Spy- I remember reading an issue of Amazing Spider-Man, and it started snowing at the end of the issue, and it was like the middle of May. Mm-hmm. And Spider-Man commented on it, and it did say, like, if you want to find out what's really happening, you could read Thor, you know, on sale now. Yeah. But I didn't feel like I had to go read that. It was just a small, like, it was a small detail that let me know there's a larger world going on, and that was cool. But it didn't make me feel obligated to buy it to get the to get the complete story. Yeah. And I think, generally speaking, that's best. Mm-hmm. But, you know, look, again, the reality is it does sell.
1: Yeah. Okay. And with that, I must bid you adieu. One last question. Okay, one last question. Army of Darkness, Maybe. supposedly, originally, was going to be called Medieval Darkness. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Oh No, no, no. It was going to be called Medieval Dead.
1: Medieval as, Dead, as yeah.
2: Yeah, reference to Evil Dead and Evil yeah, Dead.
1: that's what I meant. What are your How thoughts on that?
2: I mean, my thought is they're both good titles. You know, I would love to. I want to see the original conception for for Evil Dead Four, which is that Ash goes into the future.
0: Mm-hmm. And have I, you ever
2: I, seen that alternate ending to yeah. Evil Dead to, uh, to Army of Darkness? Yeah, I want to see that. Yeah, in the theater. But you know, the rumor is they're going to do another Evil Dead based on the reboot. Then they're going to do um, Army of Darkness 2 and then they're going to do a combination. I mean this this is this is a definite plan. Whether they actually gets off the ground, I don't know, but it's a plan that the girl from the Evil Dead reboot and Ash are going to meet in some movie.
1: It makes sense. I mean they 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 did that in the comics where they had Ash and female Ash or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I want to see it. Yeah.
2: So. I'll watch it. I'll pay money for that.
1: All right. On that note, I will let you Get going, and I will. Merci,
2: Goku. Goodbye to all our f- mutual fans.
1: Yeah, and hopefully they enjoyed our our legal discussions. Yes, yes. Hope they got something out of it. All right. Um. So yeah, when when does uh Evil Dead come out? I'm just, just, do I have it in front of me?
2: I believe Army of Darkness comes out. Ash and the Army of Darkness comes out in September
1: from okay. Dynamite Comics. So yay! And and they should check out uh Devil Inside.
2: And please check out Devil Inside, which is new and free every week at ToddStashwick.com. Just sounds, just spell that, just how it
1: sounds. Yeah, and I'll put that in the comment, comments comments yeah, so people can please do check it out. All right, thanks, We're Dennis. Going
2: on, going on, going on four years doing it.
1: Yeah, it's great, and and hopefully we'll yeah find out more. All right, Yep. right, we'll definitely have to okay. do this again. Do it again, you Absolutely. and your daughter.
2: Yes, Mama, can you come say goodbye? Come say
1: goodbye. Say goodbye to Tony. Bye. Can we come closer? Say
2: goodbye.
0: Bye. Say it
1: louder. Say bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Bye.
1: <laughs> Bye. All right. So I will continue with a few more questions. Uh, even though I actually need to start my truck home to let my dog out. Yeah, that, that's another story. You don't need to know about that. Um, so as far as a question, so I, I mentioned, you know, I'm taking the questions. So on the, the general discussion board, there is a Ask G-Man video questions thread, so you can ask questions there. Also on Twitter, um, you can at reply me, G-Man from Heck. Um, use the hashtag Ask G-Man, and I will answer those questions too. So um, also little little secret here so these podcasts are being recorded out of out of order um i guess would be last week and this week so if you're wondering hopefully last week you didn't wonder why just get my questions or anything anyways let's let's move on um next is from jam 313 says hey g-man i'm new to comics like five months in and i love listening to podcasts they really give me insight on comics and introduce me to creators. But my question is, do you think that the new 52 should introduce the milestone characters into the universe? I would have thought that they would have launched an icon and rocket book, but since they both appeared in a young justice show and a reboot, it grants the perfect time to reintroduce them to readers. The answer to that is they kind of sort of did. Um, um like with with Static, you know, there was a static series in the New Fifty Two, and you know, Static first appeared. Um uh, it was DC, but it was a milestone book, uh, when when Dennis Cohen's and Dwayne McDuffie created the character. So that right there opens the door to seeing um, other characters and I'll admit I didn't I, I I dropped you know, I read the first few issues of Static in the New Fifty Two. And then you know, and then I didn't read it and then it got canceled. So I can't even comment on what other elements may have been included in those comics. I know there is a I think there was a rumor that Static was gonna join the Teen Titans, because I think he I think he did appear in, in one issue. I could be wrong about that. But obviously that hasn't happened yet. So um as far as, as the other characters I don't I don't know and it's it's one of those weird areas and you know maybe it has to you know going back to the rights with you know who owns the rights to these characters and I I even heard some rumblings that that, that might have caused some problems in in young justice as well so I don't know I mean it I I know these characters have have a, a lot of fans it it would be great for them to get the chance to you know to shine to do more but then at the same time you look at um some of like Jim, Lee, the Wildstorm characters, you know, like like Grifter and Deathblow and and Zealot or Zealot, <laughs> I you like calling her Zealot? Um, they didn't do as well for some reason, and you know there's there's various different uh, reasonings that you know you can can come up with why. So I don't know, but in an ideal world, everyone would would get the characters that they love. They would see that. So, but maybe who knows? I mean, they're they're constantly putting out new series, trying different things, taking risks. So maybe we will see something at some point. Um, Wanda, Wanda Gorborn says in sports, you play a long regular season and then the playoffs are an event in marriage. You go for reasonably priced meals all year and your anniversary dinner is an event in comics. Do you think there is any prospect that Marvel ever take a long enough breath between crossover marketing pushes that one might actually feel like an event again? Well, and I I totally feel what you're saying. I'm going to say in defense of Marvel, you know, the different events aren't always necessarily encompassing the entire universe. You know, so we have Infinity coming up. That's more an Avengers thing. And and yeah, there's going to be some fallout when we see like the mighty Avengers and, you know, Spider-Man and Luke Cage and them are are going to be involved. But uh, like, there isn't, you know, there's going to be an X-Men event coming up, the Battle of the Atom. That's not going to affect the rest of the Marvel Universe directly. So the difference is they're doing all these different events, but they don't all take you know, affect everyone. Age of Ultron should have affected everyone. And it it did tie into a lot of books. Avengers vs. X-Men kind of touched on a, a bunch of books, but it didn't really crossover into everything you know like i don't think there was any like spider-man crossovers i could be wrong so it feels like it's it's a constantly event 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 but i guess where they're kind of getting away with it or how you can kind of defend it is all these events aren't directly affecting everyone and you could say the same thing for dc you know batman you know you have death of the family that's only affecting the Batman books. You know, it wasn't affecting the Superman books, or it wasn't even affecting the Justice League books. In this, although there was the brief mention of the Court of Owls in issue, I think it was seven, six, or seven. So, yes and no, I, I, I totally hear what you're saying, but where they're kind of tiptoeing around it is they're not making it like company-wide event. Like, every single character is is being affected by, by what's going on. All right, I'm going to jump around a little bit. Um, go to Twitter, because I, I know, remember before I mentioned how there wasn't a lot of questions on the Ask man um, hashtag. And sometimes Twitter's just weird and, and comments will disappear and then reappear later. Um, so chatham ninety six on Twitter John says, What is the best ongoing non marvel d c comic series um, that really depends on on what what you you like like what immediately comes to mind you know I could say walking dead um you know i I'm still amazed it's been over 100 issues it's a, a comic book about zombies zombie survival and it's it's kept me interested you know all this time and you know i didn't start reading it from the beginning because I, I i thought oh this is just another zombie book and then i started reading it and just have been hooked ever since um invincible is good I, i'm i'm same thing i I didn't jump on board with that in the beginning because I was just like, "Oh, this is another superhero book," and I'm reading a million of them at Marvel and DC. And then I've, I've been getting the the hardcovers and, and loving those. Um, there's there's got to be other good, you know, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is, is is great, but again, you have to like the Ninja Turtles. If, if you're not a fan, it, it may not not work for you, even though you know it's it's well written and you know the stories are really cool i 'm um, trying to think of other things like dark horse uh you know there's there 's a star wars comics um some of those are are, are hit and miss um i, I like x men or x men <laughs> jeez um the the star wars legacy um i i i i think they 're doing a great job with that um i think that answer. and, and of course madman mad man, mad man. By Mike Allred, but he's busy on FF right now. So, um, John has another question. Do you watch Doctor Who? Yes, I've spoken about Doctor Who from time to time. If yes, who is your favorite Doctor? Who is your favorite villain, and what is your favorite episode? All right, this is a tough one. Because um, when I first started watching, you know, I, I caught on like the PBS local PBS station, you know, saw Tom Baker, but like, right. Cause they, they would, you know, cycle through the episodes they'd, they'd have. And then eventually, you know, they would get more and more episodes and, you know, it would go further and further and then it would go back to John Pertwee, the third doctor and just just repeat. So, you know, I, I, I was first, um, I, I first watched Tom Baker and then immediately Peter Davidson, fifth doctor. And, you know, I thought those were, I, I loved them both. Um, they're they're completely different. Colin Baker, I wasn't crazy about. Um, and then Sylvester McCoy didn't really see it. I, I feel I don't know if I've seen all the Sylvester McCoy episodes because that always got to the point where you know you'd, you'd see some episodes and then they'd jump back to the third Doctor and then you'd have to wait till they went through all the episodes and then hope that they would they acquired some more episodes to air. Um. See, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not answering the question because like Christopher Eccleston. I thought he was great because, you know, the leather jacket, you know, the buzz cut. He was tough. And and, you know, so I, I really enjoyed him. I was bummed, obviously, that he only did one, one, one season, one series. But I get that that's that's what he signed on for. That's what all he wanted to do. And David Tennant has been great. Um, is David Tennant my favorite? It, it's possible because he had such such a huge presence But also, I mean, those episodes are so different when you go back to, like, the Tom Baker episodes just because of the technology and the production. So uh, I might have to go with David Tennant, but I'm also torn between Tom Baker and Peter Davidson. So I would say those are, like, my top three. Um, Favorite villain? I used to like the Daleks, but, you know, I've commented before that that they just got so overused, um, even though— you know, they're supposed to have been wiped out of time. They just kept coming back again and again. Um Favorite episode I think would be the, the don't blink episode. I mean that was just that was a great one. Greenstorm eighty nine, Jack P says, What happens if you bring your pregnant wife or girlfriend to Comic Con but she gives birth at the convention floor? I'm not really sure what you mean by that. Like, does Comic-Con own your, the, the kid then? Um, I just think it, it would, it would be a story to tell. Where were you born? I was born at Comic-Con. It, it, it's almost like it should get, give you a lifetime admission, you know, lifetime pass to get in every year and something like that. But I not I mean, it's obviously, I don't think you would want to if, if if your wife or or girlfriend were pregnant. I don't think you'd want to take them to San Diego when you know it gets so crowded at some points. Where and in you know lines for the bathroom even so you, pregnant women have to pee frequently sometimes and you know just trying to make your way across you know even if if the bathroom's not that far trying to get there sometimes can take way longer than it should. So and then then there's a you know people bumping into you and all that. I I wouldn't feel comfortable having my pregnant wife there. You know I I would be concerned with you know all these people just being oblivious. You know I I can't tell you that those big giant bags that they they were kind of like backpack style this year. There are so many people that as they walk by, you're kind of hip hitting you with with the corner of the bags, and, and it's just a little bag, so you know it wasn't like knocking anyone out or anything but it was just annoying so i don't know i i there should be a warning like do not attend this convention if you are pregnant or something like that um chatham 96 says what do you think about the flash joining the dc tv universe and possibly his own series i i really like the flash i think it's great um obviously I I would probably rather have a flash movie than a TV series just because production could be bigger and I'm not knocking arrow at all. Um but a TV show the, the good thing about TV shows is because you can have more. You know if if we had an arrow movie green arrow movie, you know we would only have have had one movie now rather than a full season of you know 20 something episodes. So there there is the benefit to that where with a TV series you can have more stories being told and you know more more development of characters, you know villains and and all that. The downside is that, you know, the production has to be lower. You know, so doing someone like the Flash and you know, people should maybe check out the the previous show. Um I, I need to get that on DVDs sometime. Um But yeah, I am I'm excited and any opportunity we we get you know, to have more characters on the big or small screen is great. My reluctance is is hopefully it is done well because I really do like the flash and it, it would it would be unfortunate if it didn't work. Um, I think I've next is also from Chatham ninety-six from John. I think I, I might have answers. Do you think the DC TV universe arrow could exist in a new film universe? One, there may be some sort of legal um, thing that would prevent that. You know, even though it's Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers TV and Warner Brothers Studio, kind of like what we I was talking with Dennis about Marvel and Marvel Studios, they're almost two different entities, even though they're the same overall company. Because uh, I I think that that was a thing like when Smallville was on, you know, they they couldn't get Tom Welling to play Superman in a movie because whatever contractual you know stuff so i don't know if that would work um because then the other thing is if if you're saying that tv arrow exists in the film universe does that mean there are no other superheroes in the arrow universe right now because you know we we've had we we've seen what you know the five years, you know, this whole season, a year since he's been back from the island, there's been no mention whatsoever of any, you know, Superman's not flying around. So it's possible that, like, you know, if Man of Steel just happened, it could be happening right now, and and Arrow's also happening. Um, is there a Batman now? You know, is is he just going to, this is going to be his zero year, or year one, where he just starts up? So, you know, you're going to have all these little tiny logistics, and... As far as the character, you know, obviously this is a different take on the character. So it's, it's you know, it's hard to say how it would fit depending on what what the big picture is and where they want to take the film universe. Similar, um, Stetson, um, says, hey man, I'm stoked for the Flash movie, but I'm hearing less and less about it. Is it going to happen when? Um, well, if 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 Flash is going to the CW, you know, if he's going to appear on Arrow and possibly get a spinoff show, that may put a damper on a Flash movie. Because again, it, I don't think, and you know, it's possible. You know, we saw X Files; they did have a movie while I'm pretty sure it was while the series was still going. It was, I think, it was between like the ninth and the tenth seasons, or something, or may eighth and ninth. So it's possible you could do that. It just doesn't seem very likely for, again, it's probably some sort of um, legal reasons. So um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just, it it seems like if they do a flash TV show that there may not be a flash movie. Um, And, you know, they were talking about a flash movie for for the longest time, you know, and I think at some point they said it was going to be, have a kind of like a, a seven vibe. You know, it's going to be a little dark and gritty. You know, Barry was a CSI, you know, investigator and in all this. So I don't know. We'll just have to see. Um, Let's see. Back to the forums. Flazam says, hello, G-Man, just a quick question. Do you think we'll ever get superhero movies based on events and comics? For example, Blackest Night. I would love to hear your thoughts. It's. It seems like stuff like that. They're too grand, too too big of, of of a scope. Uh, you know, going back to Marvel, you know, could we ever have a Civil War movie? Um, you know, they, they're developing the Marvel universe. You know, it would be easier for a big Marvel story to be told based on how their cinematic universe is compared to the DC one because they they're, they're kind of really isn't so far. You know, we we're still not sure what, what's going to happen. Uh, I just. I, I think the problem is these stories, you know, even if they're like 12 issues, there's so much story in there that, you know, it would have to be multiple movies. And, you know, whether they'd want to invest that much, it might be easier to see an animated movie. You know, there could be a Blackest Night DC original animated movies. You know, we just had Flashpoint. That would be more likely. But, um, but if, if you are talking specifically Blackest Night, there, there won't be a Blackest Night movie. Uh, you know, because unfortunately, you know, the Green Lantern movie wasn't a success. So that would narrow that down. But, you know, could we have Final Crisis? Could we have um, Batman R.A.P.? Uh, it, it just seems like these, these stories are just too big and, and you know, they would have to be compromised in a way. You know, they they would have to, you know, depending on what other characters exist and what characters they'd be able to use. You know, if, if there is there's just so much. It's it's crazy how much legal stuff there is, even though it's you know a studio that owns all these characters. Okay, this may be the last one. I apologize. I, I thought we were gonna get to more questions, but our my discussion with Dennis just. I mean, I again, I hope you guys enjoyed that because it's it's a it's such a fascinating and tricky subject. I think. Um, so this is from Ectoborge so I've been looking to the old campier versions of my favorite heroes and discovered to my surprise that they might have been more powerful than the current ones The Christopher Reeve Superman has shown the ability to use telekinetic vision to repair the Great Wall of China um, he also, don't forget this like the super kiss and turning back time and all that Adam West Batman defeated entire rogues galleries Bruce Wayne while he was tied up this was a man so cool porpoises would find themselves in front of oncoming projectiles to protect him Finally, the infamous 60s Spider-Man could create Green Lantern level constructs from his webbing. Um, do you have any examples of superheroes where they were cool before they became cool? Um, I'm not quite sure what, what you mean by that in, in terms of this, but I I mean, it's no secret. I love like the Silver Age comics, uh, you know, especially the Superman, um, the Lois Lane comics, Jimmy Olsen ones, the Batman ones, just such great crazy wacky stories um that that would not work today marvel didn't have so many they had a few wacky ones you know in the 60s but not to the level like what we saw in the 50s with with dc um so i i don't know um continuing from ecto one last fun fact the 60s Spider-Man had the introduction of one of the best Spider-Man villains in history. The radiation specialist deduced that Spider-Man gained his abilities from radiation and figured a way to take his powers away. After depowering Spider-Man, he lifted Manhattan up into the sky and threatened to drop it as a ransom. I, I remember that episode. Um, goodbye to the Spider-Man 67 box set if, if you haven't. If it, hopefully it's still on sale. Um, the feat was considered so epic that the show's creators redid the episode three times under different titles. Thanks for taking time to answer the questions. Um <laughs> Yeah, so if if you look on the, the forum, this is uh post eight fourteen, there's some nice images of like Spider Man making a, a big spider shield, making a sword. And then when Manhattan was lifted in the air and this dude was green and and yeah. Um it was such a crazy episode uh i don 't know how I feel about that um <laughs> uh, I think yeah that but i I get yeah i gotta get get going so this has been the podcast two hours. hopefully you enjoyed it um thanks for listening uh next week <laughs> i'm trying to think so this is one of those situations like in the old days, early episodes where I would like record episodes out of order and in advance and stuff like that. So um, I'm not sure who's going to be on next week. Hopefully there will be one because um, actually, you know, now that I think about it, the, the the reason I'm recording these out of order in advance, again, giving you a little more insight, is uh, I, I took a couple days off. And I think since I haven't done it yet, but I have by the time you listen to this, I might not have had Internet. So that's going to be like the big crazy thing of me actually being away from the site you know, without internet to know what's going on. Um, and then the following week also, I'm going to have limited access. So I may not have a podcast for the following week. And I apologize. I'll try to record one in advance, like I'm doing now to make sure you get one the following week or this week, next week, last week, some week. Um, thanks to Dennis. Check out his stuff. So, you know, if, if you're an evil dead fan, you're going to want to check out what him and Steve Niles are doing. Cause this could be good. Um, like I said, some of the series have been hit or miss. Um, so I'm really excited for that. Check out The Devil Inside. So it is, again, a free webcomic. So you have the whole backlog if you haven't been checking out. It's at toddstashwick.com. So it's all one word, obviously. And stashwick is S-T-A-S-H-W-I-C-K. So you can check that out. Um Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I I can add in, but since I'm recording this in the future, past, I don't know. Ask your questions on a G-Man, Ask G-Man video questions uh, thread in a general discussion forum. Ask on Twitter. Um, My Twitter is G-Man from Heck. Use the hashtag Ask G-Man. If you listen on iTunes, why not write a... This is where I'm trying to plug things. I, I feel... Whatever, but I guess I got I should do this. I don't do this often. Write a review on iTunes for either podcast. You know, let people know what you think. You know, so other people can listen to it. So I feel like people are actually listening to this, and I should keep doing this and, and not just say maybe I'm gonna not do it anymore. Um, so yeah. So you know, write reviews. Give it some ratings. Tell me you like it. Um, if you don't like it, I'm assuming you're not listening to this, so you're not gonna write a review unless whatever um also there is a facebook page for this podcast um you know obviously the likes are kind of an indication i know a lot of you guys don't like facebook and i understand that but if you have a facebook account look up the invincibly Supermassive comic book podcast of stuff give it a like um it, it it it's good for my ego let lets me know that you know you're listening and i do um Sometimes put um, hints there as to who the next guest is since I like to keep that a mystery sometimes, you know, or I'll I'll post the image early or like a couple weeks ago, I guess it was when when there was an episode, you know, I let people know there that there wasn't going to be one. And but there are some people that like tweeted at me asking if there was going to be one. But I was like, oh, I already posted it there. So, you know, you can find out what's going on there. All right. That is the podcast. Thanks for listening. I will talk to you guys soon and have a, a good weekend good week adios so, so my question my is, question is could, it could it be? we, don't, we know. don't know and I would like no to ask you ask which comic book affect that's affected you like most emotionally, emotionally. yeah yep. that's the question I'll shake don't your shake. I love Alan this is it's a John Byrne issue. Issue. issue I love I Alan love Davis, Davis. I, 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 I wasn't a fan this. of this probably oh, yeah. that's the question you can't blame the immediate creative team
0: I give this, this
1: a two. <laughs>